Blog Talk Radio. With those first town sounds, for me and Miles, it's DJ the best, my name is Everett Sands, I'm the friends, I'm the friends, I'm the friends. My name is Everett Sands, I'm the friends, I'm the friends, I'm the My name is Everett Sands, I'm the president and founder of the West Foundation. West 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 Foundation. West 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 Foundation. West. What is West? West 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 what we want we want to do is we want to impart on these young people that we have opportunity to coach coach that you gotta work every day. You gotta work every day to be successful. You can't take any days off. You can't take any days off. Even when you don't feel like getting it done, you got to get out there and do it. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. Welcome. It is March the 16th. Yes, the third month is already here and halfway gone. But welcome. We'd love to have you all here, and, and we're excited. We've got a great show uh, planned for you. If you have somebody that you have getting ready to go to college, or you know somebody that's getting ready to go to college, or you know somebody that's in college, this is a show they don't want to miss. We're going to have somebody talking about some non-athletic scholarships and how to find them, where to find them. We have some people from financial aid coming on to help you learn how best to pay for college. We've got a tax specialist coming on, and then we've got a football coach that is now a owner of a Chick-fil-A. So we've got a great show lined up for you. So if you know somebody that has some kids getting ready to go to school, uh, or a kid that's getting ready to go to school, let them know. Reach out to them. Tell them, hey, you need to watch this. There's going to be a lot of good information out there. First, let's talk a little bit about who the West Foundation is. Uh, the West Foundation, we, we got started back in 2016, and our goal is to help kids understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we want them to chase that goal of being a professional athlete because there's so much that you can learn from that chase, and we want them to do that. But at the same time, it's also good to understand that that sport is going to end at some point. For some people, it's going to be when you finish high school. For others, it's going to be when you finish college. Some people are going to get an opportunity to play a little bit of professional, uh, whether it's football, basketball, uh, baseball, whatever it is. You're going to have an opportunity to play professionally. Others are going to get a long time. 10, 15 years, that opportunity to play. But regardless, even Tom Brady is going to have to get ready for life after football. So regardless of when your sport ends, you have to get ready for life after that sport. And that's what we want to do. We want to help equip them with tools to be successful. So our big event is we have a free football and cheerleading camp. This year is going to be on June 26th in Conway, South Carolina. So mark that date down. June 26th, and what makes our camp a little different 
is there's a few guys that played with me um, that are coaches, but mostly the coaches are guys that played for me at my various stops, whether it's at my alma mater in the Citadel, whether it's Ohio University, North Carolina State, University of South Carolina, uh, Elon College. Haven't gotten anybody from Texas to come out yet, but I'm planning on getting a few from Texas out this year. But So there's people that they've had opportunity to see on TV, people that had opportunity for some to see live, but it's somebody that they can go on and relate with and say, hey, if he can be successful, I can do it too. So we want to give them that vision of success. That's what we want to do. And then on top of that, we want to hit them with some different life skills. Um, The biggest one that we touch on the most is financial literacy. And that's because regardless if you finish playing your sport after you after high school or you play for 20 years in the NFL or Major League Baseball or NBA, if you're not financially literate, there's going to be a lot of money that, that comes out in and out of your hands. You want to make sure that you have some type of financial literacy, and that's so important. So we're going to we touch on so many different aspects of that. We also want to talk about mental wellness. That's something else that is extremely important uh, because if you aren't mentally prepared, you can never be physically prepared. So having that mental aspect and, and knowing that that is part of the game and part of being successful is also important. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about character. We're going to talk about dealing with police officers. We're going to talk about etiquette, just different things that will help these young people be successful, and that's what we want to do. So tonight, I always like to start with a thought of the day. The thought of the day is passion. You know, one of the things that I like to tell uh, young people as they start to prepare to go into their work world is don't chase money. Chase what you love. If you chase what you love, the money will come. But if you just chase the money, you're going to be in a situation like so many people in America that hate their job. They get up and they dread going to work. But if you chase what you love, then you're probably not going to be in a situation where you feel like you're going to work. It's kind of like, hey, you know, my wife asked me once, if she wins the lottery, the lottery was like 300-something million at that time, would I go to work the next day? I was like, yeah, I love what I do. I'm going to work. Um, so if you love what you're doing, it's going to make the opportunity for you to be successful so much more. Why is that? Because if you're passionate about it, then you're going to do whatever it takes to be successful at it. Those things, uh, like from, a, from an athletic standpoint, those times in the weight room when you really don't feel like being there, if that's your passion, then you're going to do what you got to do. Those times when, when you got to run 20 sprints and you're at 18 and you're dead tired, that passion is going to help propel you to keep going. So if you have that passion, it's going to, it's going to sort of push you to keep going when you're ready to quit. And that's regardless if you talk about an athletic thing or you talk about the work world, or if you're even talking about your relationship. If, they, if you're truly passionate about it, you're going to fight to keep going. If you're chasing the money, it's going to be easier to stop when it gets tough. But if you're passionate about it, your love for the game, your love for the job, your love for the people that you're working with, the love for your teammates will be the reason why you keep going. That passion is going to help you to keep going. And here's a quote that I found that I thought was was very good. Your mind may guide you in what you do, but your heart affirms your passion to do. And that leads you to resolve the why of your life. The why of your life. 
If your why isn't followed with passion, that's probably not a good why. Your why has to be a passionate deal. That's that's why I want to do this. That's my why. And one of the things, you know, just thinking of the why, part of the reason why we want to start the West Foundation is I heard so many kids say that their why for playing sports was they want to get their families out of the situation they're in. Well, we want them to know, we want everybody to know that you, and that goes back to our goal, that you can be successful without the athletic piece. Again, I love the athletic piece. I don't want to talk to anybody about not doing athletics, but that's not the only way you can be successful. And, again, that's what our goal is, to help kids to understand that so when that sport ends, they are prepared and they're ready to be successful. Tonight, I got one of my old players um, that's, that's going to be my co-host tonight, Mr. Dave Tennant. Dave, how's everything going? Uh, everything's going great. Thank you for having me. Hey, man, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. If you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. From a uh, right now, I'm entering in the third season right now. My uh, as head coach of Meg's High School in Ohio. And uh, like I say, we've all been battling through this COVID time. It's been been pretty rough on us all, but right now we're in the uh, weightlifting phase, trying to get them ready, getting ready for this summer. Where we're going to turn it into turn all this strength into speed and agility, and uh, put some more W's up next year. Good. Good. Now, how'd you all do this past year? Did you all play this past year, or, or did they cut the season short? What happened with that? Uh, we did play, and I'll be honest with you, I did not think we would make it past week two. You know, because after week one, you figured COVID would blow up, people would be testing, and we'd be canceled for the rest of the year. But we we were blessed enough to finish off the season. And Ohio did a little bit different than down south, I believe, because we played six games, and then we went into the playoffs. So from there, you know, if you won, you continued. If you lost, you could just kind of search around for other teams that, that lost and you could finish out your season, get as many games in as you could before, you know, possibly getting shut down. But Ohio did end up finishing off the season, and uh, we were lucky. But uh, our season, it, I mean, it was honestly, it was a season that was, you know, we, we had hopes. You know, we, we, we knew we, was gonna, we had a chance to be a pretty good team. We started off on fire. I say our, my quarterback, he's, probably the best and uh we went out we was heavy underdogs in week one uh just absolutely played lights out got the upset you know the second week of the season uh won pretty big the second week and uh third game of the season my quarterback went down with a broken collarbone and uh okay what playing quarterback it's tough to win it's it's tough because I mean he he was you know he he's he, you know he's irreplaceable you know he's a phenomenal kid phenomenal leader phenomenal talent and like I say he's mm-hmm. he will be playing at the next level there's no doubt about it but you know we went we had to uh, well we moved our wide receiver to quarterback and it took a couple weeks for him to get comfortable but a season which you know going undefeated and then having that injury to 
know, we ended up four and four. But we battled. Like I say, the players played together. I mean, they fought. And like I said, they, we didn't give up on the season. We fought through it. But uh, it was a positive season. You know, we get our quarterback back this year for this yeah, this season. We lost a couple big components of last year's squad. But, you know, we got some, we got some good players coming back with a very bright outlook on this year. Good, good, good. The, um, now, you have uh, any guys that sort of affected recruiting-wise this year? By recruiting has been destroyed. Just I'll just right. straight up say it like that. Recruiting's been destroyed. It's like I have a couple of seniors that had thoughts of playing, and I still have one mm-hmm. who's probably going to try to take that invited walk-on route. But there really hasn't been any recruitment for this year's senior class because I, I don't know whether it's everything going on or, but. I think a lot of it has to do with the transfer portal also. So mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. schools aren't seem, seem to be looking at high school seniors as much since they can kind of look at other schools for their players too. But, right, right. you know, it's been hurt. And now the juniors coming up, I, even they've been affected a little bit by it too. So recruiting-wise, I've seen a big difference in this last year, last season, especially because, you know, the no contact period switched around a little bit, and you know, just supposedly, I don't know if it's uh, their talk. Like some seniors are getting able to get an extra year. Is that another thing I've been hearing? You're talking about on a, on a high school level or the collegiate level? I know on the collegiate level that's true. Yeah, that's, that's collegiate level. So that kind of eliminated yep, some need for some players coming up this year, senior class of high school. Uh, recruiting for this year, I feel bad for these seniors just coming out because there's a lot of good players not getting the look. Now, I'm not just talking about my players. I'm talking about players around. There's, you know, they're kind of being overlooked a little bit because there's not a need to go out and recruit heavy for this season. But you know what? If, and, and the problem is there's a lot of kids that cannot afford to do what I'm about to say. Um, but okay. if they can afford to campus um, for that invited walk-on spot, because I think what's going to happen is, of course, a lot of people now they got to say, hey, do I sign a freshman coming out of high school or a senior coming out of high school, or do I keep my senior for one more year? And, you know, as a coach, i got a guy I know what he can do or a guy that I think might be able to play. Probably going to go with the guy I know what he can do. I don't think a lot of schools yeah. can afford to do both. Um, yeah, you're 100 percent correct in that. We've we've seen it kind of happen that way this year. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of guys that's going to leave the program at the end of 2021. So in December, there's going to be a lot of guys that are leaving the program, and you can only sign so many kids every year. So. Yeah. If you are in the program, so if you was able to get an invited walk-on spot and you're in the program, you got a better chance of becoming a scholarship player than if you just sat the year out. Yeah. So it's 
it's one of those that if you can afford to do that, then then you do it. And I know unfortunately a lot of kids cannot afford to do that. Which is part of the reason yeah. why we're we're having here today where we're gonna talk about finding scholarships. We're gonna talk about um how to pay for it through the financial aid office. So we we uh it's unfortunate but it's a reality right now. And I think that the, as you alluded to, the class of 2022 is going to be affected as well because, uh, one, the transfer portal, two, they don't, how are they going to get to know these kids? I mean, via, via Zoom? Via Zoom right now is the recruiting tool. Um, but but as you know, that's I can only get to know you by so much via Zoom. You know, yes. and a and lot of times. And it's tough. Oh, I'm sorry. It's tough because I, I've talked. You know, Nebraska and Cincinnati are both supposed to come visit me or visit the quarterback, but even they don't really know what's going to happen. You know, and it's it's one of those. We hope things work out, and I'm sure things. I, like we're hoping and praying that this thing kind of settles down a little bit and things get closer to normal. But you know, these kids that 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 they're. So for a high schooler, you know, emotions are always high anyway because you just don't know what's going to happen. When things seem more out of your hands, that makes it even worse. You know what I mean? It's not like the days where you can sit there and make plays and, you know, co- you know coaches are going to be coming through schools all the time visiting, just saying hi to you. I mean, those, those days have been gone for a year now. So a lot of coach connections, like new coaches like me also, you know, I, I don't have the connections with – these, these colleges that usually come through and they visit these schools, all I know from the, some of these coaches are emails and text messages. And it's it's hard when you don't have that bond with these college coaches trying to find these kids also. So there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of kids suffering from this. And I'd like to say, I'm, we're just ready to get things back because I know Colter, my quarterback right now, it, it's, it, it, he's really, it, it's gotten to him a little bit. Because you know you can play, and you just know that you're, you know, the opportunity is kind of being taken from you. But we're okay. we're ready to get back to normal and get back to playing football and actually having fans in the stands because you know that, that's college football or that's high school football also. Yeah, you, know, you got to. If we miss having the bands and we miss having the fans, it it just didn't feel right this year. It is, it is different. It is different without people in the stands, no doubt about it. It's uh, it's kind of like a spring practice, um, and I imagine most of the games are like that this year. So it is that's, that's tough. <laughs> Excuse me, I got a singer that, that wanted to come in the room, um, but uh, yeah, it's tough about getting back to normal. Yeah. Have you filled out your March Madness is here. Have you filled out your bracket yet? Uh, listen, I just streamlined my WVU Mountaineers all the way to the championship. Oh, okay. so, All right. Well, if you're if you live in West Virginia, we don't have a pro team, so the Mountaineers are the Mountaineers are our pro team. Right, right. So who do you have them playing? I haven't even filled out the bracket yet, to be honest with you. You just know that West Virginia is going to beat it. 
it is going to be there. You got to have faith. Got to have faith, coach. Hey, just so you know, now I have them in the final four. I do have them in the final four. Um, playing Florida, but I got Florida coming out on top. So yeah. I, I, I know you're going to be. On the other side, I have Kansas and Michigan, with Michigan coming out on top. And then it's going to be Michigan and Florida. And, and of course, I'm the SEC guy, so I got to go with Florida winning it all. So we're, uh, we're, see, we're my, wife, my wife's a diehard Michigan fan. So oh, okay. If WVU was to play Michigan, uh, there there'd probably be you know a base broke or something from her on her end, of course. But, <laughs> but uh, if they win, you know you know how you know in the batting girls are. So, a little bit yeah, passionate yeah. about sports. Bat- basketball is her sport. I gotcha. Gotcha. Now, did she play basketball in college? I'm sure she played in high school. Uh, in high school, it, it's kind of a little story, but my wife was a phenomenal basketball player, but she uh, couldn't play her senior year. Uh, her, her family member got sick, and she had to make the choice to give up sports and take care of family. So she missed out on all sports her senior year. And... I mean, it's 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 horrible because you still affect it to this day. But you know, I had her. I went. And I had I did some background search on her old high school jersey and had her remade a jersey. And I actually got her high school basketball jersey hanging in our man cave in here. But nice. she probably she probably could have played small college basketball somewhere. You know, she's from Cleveland. So you know they. They have legitimate. It, 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 she's she's pretty legitimate. Like she's competitive too. Because you know I play her one on one, and that's the only. I've played many years of football, baseball, basketball, all that stuff. The only knee injury I ever got was playing my wife one on one. I went for a layup. And she undercut me because she didn't want any lose. Oh, she didn't undercut you, did she? <laughs> oh, she she undercut me. I thought I blew out my ACL. <laughs> no, no, you ask her if she was here, she'd be laughing, shaking her head, saying, "I hit a pack of water," and that we both know that's garbage because she she undercut me pretty good. Wow, that, that's uh, that's pretty competitive now, saying that hey, right. I don't care, that's my husband. I'm not going to lose. Well, I tell everybody she led Cleveland in uh, technical fouls her junior year. I'm pretty sure I, she's pretty <laughs> close to us. Here's the question. Did you make the layup? No, man, it hurt. <laughs> right, and the thing was, she got the rebound. She didn't even look to see if I was okay. I'm doubled over in pain. Like, <laughs> man, I heard a pop. And she goes, no. Nope. And she, made, she like, took it back and came up and made a layup. <laughs> it, like, we didn't finish the game, but she scored the next point. I, I, I love her, but... She's not right or not. He takes her shots. Hey, hey, as we talked about before, passion, baby, passion. She has passion for the game. Passion is something she has. (laughs) Well, good, 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 good. Well, hey, you have been to our camp. 
tell us a little bit yes, about sir. your experiences that I can. I absolutely had a blast. Like I said, I spent, you know, I've been an elementary PE teacher for 10 years. You know, I've coached football ever since I left you at OU. I've been a part of coaching in some, some regard, whether it's, you know, coaching high school, you know, coaching my kids, or even like I, I trained athletes for a living up in Cleveland for a few years before I went back and got my teaching degree. But, you know, I, when I was there, I saw this, like a lot of amazing people, met amazing coaches, like, you know, rekindled friendships with guys I haven't seen in years. You know, and I'm sitting there asking, hey, I've always been one. I'm a coach, but by God, I'm going to learn from the smartest people in the room. So I'm sitting there on the sidelines. Now, you know, Dion's sitting there, like, we're picking each other's like, minds and stuff. And I'm sitting there asking him decent stuff. And, uh, you know, you go to the source if you want the best information. And so, like, not only did I get down there to coach, and like I say, I, I laughed my butt off at some of those little fellas, man. Those guys are sitting there watching these two little guys go at each other. And, like, I'm like, how old are you? And, it's, it's like, this one little guy was talking trash to this other kid. And he's, like, five years old. He was sitting next to his mom in a lawn chair. And he was sitting there talking trash to his brother, calling his brother, you know, like, all like garbage and all this. Like, he's just beat. I was like, man, you run in your mouth. You get out here and show me what you got. And I swear to you, this little five-year-old boy came out here against his eight-year-old brother and put a spin move on him. I mean, I mean, just everybody like in that entire row was like, ooh, on it. So again, like, it's amazing people, amazing coaches, and I'm definitely bringing my kids down here because, like, I live in West Virginia, coaching Ohio, but. You know, and the West Foundation always on my birthday, June 26th. So, I uh, we're we're bringing the family down, and you can give Shannon a hard time about messing up my knee, and you know, let my kids learn from some great coaches and be around some great people. Here's a quick story before we go to a break. In 2019, um, you know, it was probably around this time. Uh, Dave called me up as a coach. You know, I do any, I do everything I can to come down there, but but I got a mystery. All right, what's going on? Well, coach, I got an opportunity to go on Family Feud, and it's that weekend. I was like, hey, you're good, you're good. But uh, but how did that Family Feud go for you all? Uh, truthfully, it was stressful, man. I coach, it was stressful because. Just because you fly out there doesn't mean you're going to be on TV. So okay. you would still have to get in studio, and you have to do right. it. Like, you actually play a, another family on the big stage in front of everybody. And, right. I, I, and I won't lie to you, we, we stunk it up the first time. So we, you know, we, we had like a our dead serious. We're sitting on the plane, and we watched them change out an engine. So we get a little nervous to get – you know, you know, in Chicago, we had to land and change things around and stuff. But we got there about 1 in the morning, and then we had to be up at, like, 6 in the morning to get to the studio and get all this stuff done. But we're dead tired, actually family feuding with ourselves, and we didn't put a good performance in, so we didn't look good. So uh, they told us to go home because there's usually eight families, six to eight families they bring in, and maybe five just to be on TV that day or get to do filming. So 
there's usually about three families that don't get on. And the first day we were that family, and we thought we ruined our opportunity. So they made a they made a change. And of course, I figured this. You know, as soon as they saw my wife, they're like, "Okay, tenant, uh, you're fired." I got fired as head of the family, and they, you know, my wife took over, and it it was absolutely like they're they're amazing producers for a reason because like she lit up the screen and her and Steve Harvey grew up less than ten miles from each other. So wow. Okay. They're talking about like, and they didn't even show this like each episode is like an hour and a half in, but they only use like twenty minutes. So they cut out a lot. If they would have used five five seconds of her and Steve's conversation, it, it was magic because, like, Steve's walking down memory lane, and he's talking about how, you know, the mall that Shannon grew up next to, like, three blocks from, like, they, they called him L.A. Because they didn't know him, but Steve, they called him by L.A. And we're like, why is that? And he goes, because everything I had was on layaway. Then he goes, by the time he could pay for it, it was out of style anyway. But, you know, Steve, I mean, everything you see about Steve Harvey on TV is just a smidge how great that man is. Like, he absolutely, like, like loved our family. Like, you know, my cousin DJ, he's probably the one that was, uh, got the most YouTube hits, but the, uh, he would pull DJ off stage in between takes and sit there and be like talking to him, giving him business business advice. And you know, he'd pull Shannon aside and talk about the Browns and talk about like shops like those stores and restaurants. Oh, you've been to this restaurant? Like it like Steve was about as genuine and an amazing a person and this it wasn't fake because this was when the cameras weren't on. He would sit there and just absolutely like he, to stay with our family and talk to us forever. But, you know, we're country West Virginia people also. You know, so he's one of – he's born in West Virginia. So you talk West Virginia, he's, he's a, he loves it. But he sat there and just absolutely, like, loved on our family and talked to us the entire time. And, but, you know – oh, I'm sorry, my ADHD kicked in. We went home, came back the next day, and, you know, with rest and blew it away and – they put us right on TV with uh, the first family and the rest of history. It was an amazing time. Outstanding, outstanding, man. Hey, but uh, but this year I'll be looking for you to be back down. Well, hold on one second. We can go to a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Now.
Unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of people that graduate with a enormous amount of debt from student loans. And I actually uh, heard a story about somebody that was 60 years old still paying off their student loans. So one of the things that our next guest, uh, her and one of her girlfriends, and I let her tell the story, they go out and they try to help kids or help people, parents, the kids, find scholarships. I have Ms. Yvette Sands from Scholarship Momentum. Excuse me, Dr. Yvette Sands from Scholarship Momentum. Dr. Sands, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Everything is good. Everything is good. Now tell us a little bit about Scholarship Momentum and what you all do. Well, it just what the name says. Um, it's Scholarship Momentum, spelled M-O-M-E-N-T-U-M, Scholarship Momentum. So Scholarship Momentum is an organization that was founded by me and one of my girlfriends from college. Last year or two years ago, we both had high school seniors who were preparing to go to college. I had not talked to her, her name is Jennifer, in a while, but on Facebook, or Instagram, I could see that she would post things about her son going to college and looking for scholarships. So we started to connect and share information about scholarships. So we found, what we found was a gold mine, actually. There are so many college scholarships out there for students. And so our sons were, they were both very successful in winning college scholarships. Her son is a student at Georgia Tech. My son is at Vanderbilt University. So when I say they were very successful winning scholarships, I don't necessarily mean institutional scholarships. What we found is that both our sons were very, very smart. They graduated at the top of their class. They were involved in a community. They had good grades. But what we found is that students who are Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt and a lot of those schools, they all fit that scenario. So the institutions don't have an unlimited amount of funds to give every child who wants to attend school there. So what we found is a gold mine in community and outside scholarships. The plan worked for us, so we decided that we wanted to help other students and families avoid student loan debt. So what we did was we created Scholarship Momentum. We're just two moms. 
um, that help families find outside scholarships for their children. Now, I know it was a big number, but what was that number, financial number, that you and Jennifer's or your child and Jennifer's child um, was able to get? Well, when we looked at institutional scholarships, um, they each won over a million dollars. But when I say that, that's institutional money. Right. Um, I want to clarify that. I mean, if they applied to 10 different schools, then that was all the money collectively that they won. It's not money that they could use, right. but it was money that they could use. But when you look in the other arena as far as community scholarships, they um, at least had enough community scholarships to pay for two full years. Nice, nice. Now, when you say community scholarships, what do you mean community scholarships? When I say community or outside scholarships, those are scholarships not offered by the academic institution itself. Those are scholarships offered by community service organizations, banks, credit unions, lawyers' office, any other entity outside the university that awards scholarships, and there are tons and tons and thousands of those organizations mm -hmm. that give scholarships every single day. We always say that there's not a scholarship season. Scholarships are 12 months a year. And we talk, at least we've been talking so far about our seniors, but we recommend that students start looking for these scholarships when they're in the ninth grade. In the ninth grade? Absolutely. Now, in the ninth grade, you don't have, you're just starting high school, so you don't have a lot of grades. So what are you going to be doing in the ninth grade to prepare for college scholarships? There are a lot of things or organizations that award scholarships to students who just started high school. Some of the scholarships will require you to write an essay about your future goals or what you want to do about a topic. A lot of them you'll see just write an essay, or they may even ask about your past experiences. What have you done in the community? What you'll see, not just with ninth graders, but with all community-based scholarships, we're going to want to know what you have done in the community. What are your community service activities? So we do like to advise students who get started early, especially our eighth and ninth graders, to go ahead and get involved in the community, start projects. Not only do that, but keep a log of it. As soon as you start volunteering, keep a record of your volunteer activities and contact persons for those organizations because they will play a vital role in your ability to win scholarships. Now, when I think of scholarships, I think of you got to have great grades, you got to be at the top of your class to get any type of outside or community scholarships. Is that true? Well, that's a myth that I'm going to um, say. Anytime you have a very good academic profile, it's going to enhance your ability to win scholarships. That's a given. But not all scholarships require that you be the top student or have the top ACT or SAT scores. There are lots of scholarships out there where they may require, again, you write an essay, you write a poem, you make a video, you interview someone. There are some special scholarships out there that may be, that deal with a specific condition. For example, we have a client who um, suffered from childhood cancer. She is healthy, she's a college student now, but earlier in her life she had cancer. Well, there are lots of scholarships out there that award 
students in her condition scholarship. She just has to write about the experience, how it affected her family, how it affected her. She mm -hmm. won enough of those little scholarships from those type organizations to pay for her first two years of school. And now she's working on the third year just from outside scholarships. Again, there are even scholarships for tall people, for short people, for twins, for so many outside scholarships out there. So if there's a scholarship for your left hand, you mean there's one for your right-handed too? That's probably it. I guarantee <laughs> you there is. So how do you find these scholarships? Like they're out there. How do you find them? Scholarships are everywhere. For my high school students, I want to preface this. Now, this is just not for high school students. Students in college, there are just as many, if not more, scholarships for students who are already in college. But I'll start with my high school students. I would recommend first you go to your guidance counselor. Your guidance counselor is going to have a lot of information about scholarships because when organizations want to promote, find candidates for their scholarships, usually they're going to send the information to the guidance counselor. So check with your guidance counselor first. Also, check the local high schools in your area. A lot of them post different scholarships for people in the community. You can usually find those scholarships on the website. So your counselor. Um, also, the internet. All of our students know how to use Google. Just Google scholarships. I am going to give you all some of just some national databases that we absolutely love that you'll find lots of scholarships. So I hope you have a pen and paper. The first one is J as in James, L as in love, V as in Victor, J-L-V, that's the website, J-L-V College Counseling. There are tons and tons of community-based outside scholarships on this website. I like this website because it breaks it down. For example, they break it down for scholarships for ninth graders, scholarships for tenth graders, scholarships if you want to be a nurse or if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be an engineer. This is a very organized scholarship database that allows you to search based on your particular characteristics. Go Mary scholarships, just as it says, Go Mary, M-R-R-Y scholarships is another one. Scholarships.com, FastWeb, Scholarship Monkey. And I know, um, as my kids tell me, nobody's on Facebook but older people now, Mom. Well, Facebook is an awesome site for scholarships. There are lots of scholarship groups that post on Facebook. Our company posts on ScholarshipMomentum.com. I'm sending my kids to college, the scholarship owl. If you go to Facebook and just search for scholarships, you'll find all of these groups that post every day about scholarships. What we counsel the students who work with us, there's never a time you should say that you can't find a scholarship. So many scholarships out there. Um, I am going to, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of work. Now, what do you mean it's a lot of work? I mean, it's a lot of work as far as a time commitment, as far as finding and applying for these scholarships. It's almost like a part-time job. But what we urge our students is to take, to set time out. A lot of our clients have scholarships. 
On Saturdays from like 8 to 10 in the morning or 10 to 12, they just focus on looking for scholarships. And it's not just the students that we get active in the scholarship process. We encourage parents to help their students, not help them write essays or things like that, but help them search for the scholarships, send them scholarships, look over their materials before they send it off. It's always good to have a second set of eyes look at the scholarship materials, but it should be a family affair where you're assisting your students find scholarships and making that making sure that they stay on the time frame because after all, if they don't get scholarships, it may come out of your pocket. Yes, that that is geared towards me. Hey, coach, coach, can I ask a question real quick? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, like around here, like you know, up in West Virginia, Southern Ohio, you know, you know, college isn't for everybody. Is this go for trade schools also? Yes, absolutely. If you just go, if you go to the JLV College Counseling website, they have trade school applications. If you just Google um, trade school scholarships, I guarantee you, you will have a hundred to two hundred hits. And it's just different organizations. If there's a particular school or trade school that an individual is interested in, call that financial aid office, and um, they'll point them to scholarships as well. Got it. Now, what about, what about if I'm already in college? Again, there are probably twice as many uh, scholarships for those who are already in college. And what you're going to, where you're going to find these are usually major facilities. Specific, like for your engineering, for your engineers, or for your teachers, they're going to be specific geared at your major. But again, it's a simple search as far as going searching for scholarships. Uh, what we urge our kids in college to do: search by your major, scholarships for engineering majors, scholarships for art majors. STEM or STEAM is something that's huge now. If you're not familiar with that, STEM is. Science, technology, engineering, and math. And now they've added an A in it to call it STEAM, where they add the arts as part of that. But those scholarships, there are so many STEM and STEAM scholarships. It's just as easy going to Google and start typing scholarships. Um, in your community, fraternities and sororities, every fraternity and sorority offers a scholarship. Check their websites and things of that nature because um, there are so many out there. Now, what about your master's and your Ph.D.? Are there scholarships for those people as well? Absolutely, but you do have to search for those as well. Again, I always, we always counsel our students, call the financial aid office. With COVID, you'll see that a lot of um, colleges and universities, their budgets have been strained with Fun. So they're not able to offer as many scholarships as they used to. Mm -hmm. However, they want you to come, so they're going to provide you some help. I can almost guarantee you if you go on to any college or university's financial aid website, there's going to be some information about outside scholarships. Again, there's going to be somewhere on there about outside scholarships, and there are just listings of other organizations outside of the universities that offer scholarships. Gotcha, gotcha. The um, now, so what is what do you do with scholarship momentum? Are you just sort of 
taking them by the hand and, and showing them what do you all do exactly? So with Scholarship Momentum, what we do, first of all, we offer a free workshop. And what we do in this workshop is that we walk parents and students through the scholarship process. So what we do is we counsel them on the things that you'll need to start applying for scholarships. So some of the things that students need to basically have when they, when they get ready to start the scholarship is they need a copy of their transcript. They need to contact their counselor and get a copy of their transcript. They need letters of recommendation. They also need a resume, or we call it a brag sheet. And what this brag sheet does, it just lists the things that you've been involved in. If you've been in the National Honor Society, you played football, you played soccer, you're in FBLA, you list those things on that brag sheet. Also, again, they're, they're going to want to see some community service, to see that you've been involved in your community service, in your community. So make sure that you list those things on your brag sheet as well. So we go through this process. We teach them how to search uh, based on their characteristics as well. There are some families that need a little bit more hand-holding, and they want some individualized attention. So what they do, we do work with families on an individual basis as well. Gotcha, gotcha. The, um, <clears throat> now, we talk of scholarships. Are these the scholarship enough to pay for school? Are you talking about a, a little scholarship? Or are you talking about everything in between? I, it, it just depends. For example, we have a client now. This this family has probably applied for in the last year about 95 scholarships. You wow. probably, probably only want about 30 of those, but that's over $60,000. Some of the scholarships have been for $500, some for 1000 some for 5000 but those little scholarships add up. I know when Trey, my son, was in the thick of the scholarship process, he'd be like, oh, Mom, I don't want to spend an hour, two hours applying for a $1,000 scholarship. And I had to kind of bring him back to reality. Like, Trey, how long is it going to take you to apply for the scholarship? Oh, about an hour, hour and a half. And so if you win $1,000, that's $500 an hour. Tell me where you can make that. So you have mm -hmm. to put it in perspective. The little scholarships add up. Right. They start to add up a lot. Okay, good. Now, I heard you talking before about the national scholarships versus the local scholarships. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? There are lots of national scholarships out there. Um, in fact, again, I'm speaking from my own experience. Trey, our son, he won a national scholarship. He won the National Foot Locker Scholarship that they awarded to 20 high school students across the nation. So but when you look at that pool of applicants, there were over 20,000 students who applied for that scholarship. So when you apply for national scholarships, you're looking at a larger pool of applicants, which in turn translates to more competition. Whereas if you apply for the local scholarships within your community, the pool of applicants are going to be smaller. And they're really those scholarships geared for people in the community. So you have a better chance of winning. Not to say don't apply for national scholarships because mm -hmm. you, do, you do need to do that, but balance your time. Balance your time between your local and your national scholarship. Now, another thing, um, what do you think is the 
thresholds. I know some scholarships, they're based on finances that's coming in. Um, is is that, can you sort of make too much money to, to apply for some scholarships, or how does that work? Well, there are going to be some meat-based scholarships where they're going to look at the um, – the amount of money your parents make. And okay. some of that is derived from the FAFSA, um, the free application for federal student aid that all students are required to complete if they're going to apply for financial aid from their school or any um, governmental financial aid. So they look at that and so yes, there are some scholarships that mm -hmm. they're going to look at your income, but those are far and few between there are lots of scholarships that income doesn't matter. And when we talk to those scholarship-granting institutions, what we try to do is reemphasize, of course, those students who are, um, whose parents don't make enough money, then they need those scholarships. Continue to find ways to make, to make college affordable for everyone. Right. But we ask them, don't diss the students whose parents may make a little bit of money because it's the students that we're looking at. These students have worked hard. They've made good grades. They've been involved in community service. So why not reward them for the things that they've done and not their parents' finances? We see that um, this is kind of a little symptom that the middle class kind of gets um, stuck in the middle here where they um, don't qualify for some of the need-based aid, but then they're still not in a position to write a check out of their personal accounts for forty to fifty thousand dollars every year. True. So true, so true. The middle class um, kind of gets stuck in the middle, you know, because I, in, in my opinion, the upper class they could just write a check, um, so that forty, fifty thousand dollars is in the deal. Um, people, and I don't know what that threshold is. Uh, they get a lot of financial aid, but that middle class is kind of, hey, you should be able to afford it, which sometimes you kind of like, that don't make any sense. Um, where you make oh, so much money and you're saying I can pay a third of what I make to go to college, to send my kid to college. And that's why it's so important that these students, not every <clears throat> student, no matter what your income level is, that you seek these outside, outside scholarships, the money is there. Um, we even have some scholarship organizations where they don't have any applicants at all. We worked with a client last year. She won several scholarships because she was the only person that applied. Again, um, students are, I mean, we counsel our students. They'll look at scholarships like, oh, this scholarship requires a four-page paper, requires all this stuff. And then we tell them, do that one because there are a lot of other kids looking at that same scholarship, and they're not going to do it. So, um, again, the money is there, but students have to put in the effort. They have to put in the time to go get it. A debt-free education is possible. It's more than possible, but it does require work, and there are lots of scholarship opportunities available. A debt-free education. A debt-free education. Hey, that sounds good. That sounds good. Now, I was blessed. I had actually uh, had an opportunity to go to school play to play football. Um, but, of course, my beautiful wife did not. Um, you know, she didn't go to play football. You know, she didn't. She was just a regular student. So, so once again, they, but so to be put yourself in a position where you can be debt-free coming out of
college put you put you in a situation where you can get to that spot where you want to be from a financial standpoint a lot quicker. Of course, one of the big things that we like to talk about here at the West Foundation is financial literacy. So, and I believe not having that student loan debt will allow you to get to where you want to be from a financial standpoint at a faster time point. So if we can help you um, leave college debt-free, then we definitely want to do that. Now, how can we point our listeners to Scholarship Momentum? So we have a website. It's scholarshipmomentum.com. There's lots of information um, on there. We'll be updating our website for our upcoming um, workshops. Again, those, some, most of those workshops are free. Our initial workshop is free, and it does provide you all the information that you need to get started on the scholarship process. Again, that's scholarshipmomentum.com. You can also find Scholarship Momentum on Facebook. We have a Facebook group where we post scholarships every day. If you were to go on there today, you will see a list of scholarships that are available for a different variety of students. Nice, nice. Well, thank you, Dr. Sands. We, Any questions? We, we definitely appreciate you coming on. And if we get some questions, you know, we definitely uh, via Facebook. Um, but uh, if you have questions, let us know. We'll make sure we can get that information to you. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on. And at some point, we're going to bring you back back on again, especially before you all start back up with having a bunch of, uh, of those free workshops. We're going to go to a quick break. And we're not done talking about trying to help you graduate from college debt-free. We have some people from financial aid that's going to be on next. So hold on a few seconds. Take a quick break. Today, more than ever, we think about the air our family breathes. You and your family need to count on your home's air to be clean, free from harmful bacteria, and safe from the coronavirus. Nano air filters are the defense system your home HVAC system needs. Our filter media is created with a super fine spider-like material which captures particles as small as the virus. Standard home filters are just far too porous to do the job. So make the healthy choice and upgrade your air filters today by visiting nanoairsolutions.com.
How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back and continue our conversation about how we can help send our kids out of college debt free. Uh, tonight I have James Smith from Lone Star College and Ivory Williams from Southern University. They're both working in the financial aid office. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing pretty good. James, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background. All right, so my background is is, uh, I started in financial aid when I was actually a senior in college, uh, working at uh, Coastal Carolina University as a full-time temp. And from there, uh, when I got married, I got back into financial aid, working at College of Charleston, worked there for Five years moving my way up to assistant director. And then in 2005, I got my first opportunity to be a director of financial aid at John Marshall Law School in Atlanta uh, and got to create financial aid from scratch for them. And uh, five years later, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, and then came back home to uh, the Myrtle Beach area worked for Ori Georgetown Technical College, and now I am uh, have been in uh, Texas for the past nine years at Lone Star College as a uh, manager of financial aid, reporting, and reconciliation. Well, Ivory, how about you? Hey, how everybody doing? Uh, my name is Ivory Williams III. I'm from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. I actually got my start in financial aid uh, January uh, 2018. I actually started a part-time uh, position of financial aid advisor, and I got promoted. I skipped the full-time position on campus and went straight to the central uh, system office. So I did that for a year, and um, I decided to kind of move back home right before the pandemic just to save. And the first job to come up was actually a financial aid position at Southern University in Shreveport. So currently right now, I'm uh, my alpha is A through G. So anybody with that last name, it's uh, my job to pretty much get your process uh, and make sure you ain't paid out uh, correctly. Outstanding, outstanding, outstanding. Well, we, we were having, uh, we just got finished with Dr. Sands, um, and uh, who is, she has a company. She works with a company called Scholarship Momentum, and they help kids find scholarships. Now, one of the things that she said, and, and 
and you all, she, you all are two that she said that it's a good place to start if you're in college is to go to the financial aid office and ask about outside scholarships. Is that something that, that you all uh, do on a regular basis? Uh, it definitely is. I, I think that not only uh, external but internal scholarships, uh, you kind of have to, like, like Dr. Sands uh, says, you have to kind of know how to navigate it and, and to be able to, to find these scholarships. And, and there are many different uh, ways to be successful at it. Um, you know, one of the things she mentioned that, that was spot on was, was you know, if it takes an hour to get a $500 scholarship, that is very valuable time uh, resources yeah. because, I mean, you're not going to make that in your career. So keep uh, keep on your, your students to uh, apply for all of these uh, scholarships, even if it is only a $500 scholarship because it's not wasted time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if how does that process work when I'm in college and, and I'm trying to uh, get some scholarships? Do we just come to the financial aid office and, and just say, hey, what kind of scholarships do you have, or, or what is the protocol for that? Uh, it definitely depends on the uh, institution. Um, it's always important uh, if you're like an incoming freshman to start in the May process before you graduate. So every I know every school district is different, but you definitely want to start with your college advisor or guidance counselor and work from there. Um, I always remember that FAFSA comes out every October 1st, so that's the first thing. You always want to get your FAFSA done and then, and then kind of venture out to the financial aid office and speak to the scholarship director. Every uh, office has one or maybe two people that's, specifically over uh, scholarships, so it's just going there and asking for the information because most of the time for undergraduates, it's, it's really a lot of people willing to help see people get those uh, first degrees because once you get past the bachelor's degree point, it's kind of hard to look for a scholarship. So it's really out there. And also another point is also work study. A lot of students don't know how essential it is. You can um, uh, be a work study on campus and still learn and also get paid good money on top of your financial aid. Okay. Something else that I would add is uh, with all of the legislation that's come out since COVID-19, uh, most institutions have a quite a substantial amount of uh, COVID-19 funds that are available to give to their students. So that's another resource for free money that would be out there for uh, and available for students that wouldn't typically be out there. All right. Now so you I got a question. Is, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'll ask this. Go ahead. I, I got a question. For someone like us, if, even if we came from different institutions, like say I have three degrees, my wife has two, she's a physical therapist, and I went back to be a teacher. Is there anything we can do after we graduate? Because, like say, we're paying close to 800 dollars a month just in student loans or is it pretty much you have to get it when they get it good going for your bachelor's right. going for your master's at that time as far as getting scholarships after the fact it, it's usually a, a lot more difficult to get those however uh there is what's called a public service loan forgiveness program that's out there that's available if you work in the public sector so 
if you teach uh, public K through 12 as a teacher, there are various ways. Uh, there's teacher loan forgiveness as well as the public public service loan forgiveness program. So even if you don't qualify for the teacher loan uh, program, you can still qualify for the public sector. And after 10 years of working in the public sector, uh, your loans could be forgiven. Okay, and that, that kind of works for, because like my, my high school that I teach at now, I believe it's 90, 90% free reduced. And I, so, I know so, I so they would be a teacher loan program school. Yes, and I say I I got five thousand dollars forgiven on myself, but you know my wife you know, we still we both work in you know impoverished areas, you know Southern Ohio, you know West Virginia alone. It's we're not known for our money, right? So uh, then working as a physical therapist, could that qualify as something along those lines, or is it mainly like a teacher, a social worker kind of situation? No, even as a physical therapist, she could potentially qualify. Um, if she's working for a public sector like a local uh, hospital, yes, then she would she would potentially qualify. And a lot okay. of it is getting the documentation from her HR and making sure that you provide it annually to the Department of Education. Because I know there's a lot of people in this area in the same boat as us. They just don't know about these things because they just figured, you know, fend for yourselves. Once you once you get your degree, you're stuck paying it till you're 60. But, you know, that's that's good information to have. Thank you. Yeah, the, the Department of Education has a great website dedicated towards this. And all you have to do is type into Google Public Service Loan Forgiveness, and you'll get more information than you ever wanted to know. Awesome. Thank you. Now, let me, I'm going to go back a little bit. You was talking about a lot of institutions have COVID-19 resources. Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so the institution that I work at is an extremely large community college in Houston, Texas. Uh, we, in our initial amount from the Department of Education, received $14 million to be able to give out to students. We also received a second batch of funds to be able to give out to students as well. So, I mean, we've been able to, to substantially help students who have been in some way affected by COVID-19, whether it be that they had to buy a new computer or they had to, uh, you know, do, you know, pay additional funds for, uh, for child care because their, uh, you know, kids' uh, daycare closed down. And so now they're having to have someone privately watch them while they're taking classes. Uh, any number of, of reasons would qualify a student. And, and so, uh, you know, we, we've been able to really help students through this with funds that they won't ever have to pay back. Cool. So it's just if they're affected by COVID-19 somehow, then what is the process you, for them? You can almost say that any student has been affected by COVID-19. So each institution has created their own set of rules associated with the application process of receiving these funds uh, based on the guidance that the Department of Education has given 
And and so, it, I mean, it will vary slightly from school to school, but if the student is currently enrolled in, in school, there's a possibility that they could qualify for some COVID-19 funds. And what they need to do is speak to the financial aid office if they haven't already, just to see if there's any additional funding available that they may not have known about. Okay. All right. Cool. The um, now as a whole with the financial aid. Um, so I'm a young man. I'm in school. Um, you know, one of the things that it almost seems like uh, the and I can't remember the name of what is it where they say how much you can pay for school. What is that called again? Your expected family um, contribution. Yeah, your ESC. Your ESC a lot of times is kind of like really it 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 doesn't correlate with how much money you make and what they say you can go for. So, so what's the best plan of action when when they say you can you can afford to pay thirty five forty thousand um, dollars? What's the best plan of action that help? find that money. Well, what I would say is, is first and foremost, the expected family contribution isn't really how much the schools think that a family can contribute. All it is is a numerical number given to us from the FAFSA that gives us a starting point where everyone's on an uh, equal slate for comparison for gift aid. So the lower the number, the more likely you are to receive some type of, of free money from the Department of Education. Uh, it doesn't mean that if your expected family contribution is thirty or $40,000 on the FAFSA, that you're expected to come out of pocket for thirty or $40,000 annually. Um, it just potentially means that gift aid wouldn't be available. Other than than scholarships that are that are non need based. Right. Right. The um, so if if it doesn't mean that's what they expect you to pay, so how do you find that money? So where are you going to get that money from? Well, there's a whole lot of different places, and 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 Dr. Sands mentioned quite a few of them. Uh, Fastweb.com is is a plethora of information. It's probably going to give you more information than you ever wanted to, to know about scholarships and quite a few that you may not even qualify for. But as you sift through them, the one thing that I tend to recommend to students is during their senior year, on average, they should be completing at least five scholarship applications per week. This gives them a great opportunity to win scholarship money to help pay for college. To kind of defer that cost. Um, you, I mean, you have really three different types of aid that students can be eligible for. And one is gift aid, which is free money that includes grants and scholarships. Then you have self-help aid, which would be work study, where they can work on campus in a position, getting paid for the hours that they work to help give them some spending money and things like that while they're in school. 
and it works great with their college schedule. So, you know, they don't have to worry about, ooh, I've got this job, but I've got this test. I mean, it really is a work-study balance. And then finally, it's uh, self-help where what that is is it's loans. And we prefer people not to take loans out if at all possible. But there are certain situations where that's the only option. And you have student loans, parent loans, and private loans that are available as well. Now, student loans, a student can only loan, can only borrow so much, right? Correct. Yes, it would sir. not be enough for the student to be able to pay for their entire tu- uh, tuition by themselves in most situations. Um, what is that? What is that cap on student? I believe for their freshman year, it caps at fifty-five hundred, if I'm correct. And then it goes up a thousand dollars to sixty-five hundred, and then seventy-five hundred per year is, is the max that they would be able to borrow. And so, depending on the school that they're going to, their tuition wouldn't even be covered by the amount of loans that a student can borrow. Okay. The now, I heard somebody say before that who why do as a parent am I responsible for paying for and, and, and again this is saying it facetiously responsible for paying for my kids, you know, education. Um because he's eighteen at that point. So why are they using the parents uh income when he is quote unquote an adult? Well I I'm Unfortunately, the Department of Education looks at it as the student has to be 24 years of age, married, have a kid of their own, uh, any numerous things that we as parents would not want our child to have to go through um, in order for them to be considered an independent student. And these are guidelines that were set by Congress, um, you know, as a financial aid administrator, it's my job to help a student find the aid. I don't always agree with every rule or regulation that's out there, but it's also my job to follow those rules and regulations. Um, you know, so to say whether it's right or not, you know, that's an individual family uh, decision as far as, And then, uh, well, depending on the circumstances with the student, they're always eligible to do a, a dependency override if, let's say, you grew up with your grandma, you was a water court or a parent refusal. So different policies, you, a student can also utilize that. But you got to definitely be, you know, make sure you're following those right guidelines for the students who do come from, you know, different backgrounds. Because I have talked to students where parents refuse to sign the FAFSA, because uh, they think it's going to go on their credit or stuff like that. So students are able to use that option as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, so Jamie, you're saying 
which goes along with what Dr. Sands was saying earlier. Um, you got to set aside as a senior. You got to start setting aside some time every week to start filling out scholarships. Um, and your experience, where are some of the best places to, to find those scholarships? Besides, you gave one of the websites. So online is probably the best. I'll answer my own question. So online is probably the best place to go look for those scholarships, right? Can you hear me? Ivory, Jamie? Oh, yeah, I can. I'm Did I on Mr. Jamie. It's always uh, important to use uh, those resources. That's why I think it's important kind of to start figuring things out, you know, on the high school level. I know certain regions have, like, college advisors on high school campus. Now they start to create those uh, positions. So they kind of be more so they can meet the scholarship deadlines for the fall semester because usually the deadlines fall, like, around May, uh, definitely before uh, the summertime. So you want to get those done before you graduate. All right. So go out there and try to find out. Once I get on campus, because um, Dr. Sands was saying how some of the kids had their freshman and some of them even their sophomore year paid for, but what about after their sophomore year? So what do you have in place financial aid-wise for that junior and senior um, that's in college already? So to be honest with you, I'm on a, a two-year level. I'm still working at a two-year school, but it just really depends where a student's at on their usage. And, you know, of course, every school tuition is different. So, of course, I will, you know, I'm from Louisiana, so I'm going to use LSU. Of course, LSU will, tuition will cost more than my alma mater, University of Louisiana and Monroe. So um, I think it just that's what it depends on, whether they're on their Pell Grant level and on their subsidized on their uh, student loan limit. Uh, usually um, we have a student I know for sure, and they got the grades, and they um, qualify for extra grants like an SEOG or, or, or a Texas grant when I was in, uh, living in Texas. A lot of times we'll help them and get them additional funding. So it kind of just depends more on the director and how much we have in our budget to help a student out. If, if we know for sure, like, hey, you're about to graduate, but you need some help covering your balance. Sometimes we'll figure out different options to help them uh, pay for school. I would also say that many schools have uh, scholarships that are available for non-first-year students. Uh, those typically are, are what's called departmental scholarships. And so the department that the student is majoring in would be who they would contact to see what types of scholarships are potentially available. So would it go to the department head or? They, they, they definitely the would want to speak to the department chair um, or the dean, depends on what the title is of, of, of the head of the department. Um, the financial aid office would also be another good spot to, to stop because they're going to be aware of all of the departmental scholarships. Okay. 
So the partnering scholarships for the non-freshmen is, is definitely a way to go. Um, and I imagine the grades and all that is going to have a factor in that, right? Yes, sir. And, and you know, the other thing is, is uh, as Dr. Sands said, fraternities and sororities have, have scholarships out there. Um, you know, your your place of employment as a student may have something out there. Uh, I know employers such as uh, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A both uh, have scholarships for their employees. Uh, you know, it also, uh, your parents' place of employment, your church, uh, you know, uh, if they're in the Shriners or, or any civic organization may, uh, in, in your uh, local area may have scholarships that are available. And they're not always limited to graduating seniors from high school. The um, any last words for uh, young people that are, are are definitely looking for for, for scholarships before we close up. Well, I think that the uh, the key to it is reaching out to the financial aid office of the colleges you want to attend, and reaching out to your high school guidance counselor as well as e- even organizations like Dr. Sands. Uh, so that they they can uh, help you uh, locate funds to to pay for college. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ivan? Uh, just to piggyback off Mr. James, like definitely utilize your, uh, depending you know where the students you know you're from, utilize your guidance counselor. Rather, even if it's a church, uh, anyway, you can go and present uh, present yourself. Uh, the internet, social media, there's so many aspects out there that can uh, assist you with um, paying for college. Um, I know a lot of students do want to go straight to a four-year, but two years are affordable. I definitely would recommend if you could start at a two-year level, go knock your associates out the way, and it'd be cheaper and you have more aid for your bachelor's. And even if you want to move up for a master's, you'll be fine. Now, let me ask this before we go. One last question is thinking of the two years. Um, there's been talk of making it where your two-year universities are, are free. Um, do you think that's going to happen? I'll let Mr. James, he's been the financial aid longer than me. I'm going to let him answer that one. Uh, you know, it, it that's a political question in nature, and, and at the end of the day, it's, It's very possible that it could happen. It just depends on the logistics of it and the funding of it. So, um, you know, it, as long as there, as long as everyone understands that nothing is free because the cost of running a school is still there, then anything's possible. Um, I'm not saying that it won't happen. Or that it will, but but uh, you know it's a in theory it's a great idea. Um, in practice, it may be a different story financially. So uh, because it's going to it's going to be paid for somehow. Oh so it just depends on how they decide to come up with paying for it. 
I definitely appreciate you all coming on. Um, and, and as we uh, have questions, is there a, a number or, or something that we can have to have people reach out to you if they have questions? Most definitely. I'll, I'll give you my cell number, uh, Everett. It's area code 678. Two three four ninety six sixty six, and the easiest way to reach me is via text on that number. Because if I don't know who it is, I'm probably not answering the phone, and I'll let it go to voicemail and then return the call. Understand? That is, I think that's that's about par for the course these days. Uh, unfortunately, I get too many spam calls on my cell phone. Yep, I understand. I understand. Like I said, that's about par for the course. So we're good. With this, I do appreciate it, and uh, you definitely gave us some great information. And uh, we, uh, at, at some point, I, I'm, Jamie, I'm gonna call you to to round the troops again, um, so so we can definitely have this conversation and uh, help some other people. So I appreciate. Yes, sir. Right, have a wonderful evening. Okay, so we're going to do a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. And now, for the first time in our show, is there anybody who doesn't remember the four cops? <laughs>
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with, with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. That is good. Uh, for the first time in our show, is there anybody who doesn't remember the four cops? <laughs> Sorry. Four cops were in the plane. Uh, but we just were talking about how to pay for college. And now we get opportunity to talk with Renata uh, Donaldson about taxes. So the first question, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good, and yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you again for joining us again. We had you back on in January, but we appreciate you coming back and joining us again. The uh, first Thank question you. I have, first question I have is, because for me, I'm going to have my second one go to college. From a tax perspective, how can I make this this education cost not hurt as much for me for tax? What can I do? Or is there anything I can do? Well, yes. Actually, what, what parents can do is the Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan, if you contribute towards that yearly, whatever you contribute, you can receive those deductions on your state taxes. So that's one way that you can receive something back uh, from uh, any college savings. Whatever I put in there, I can deduct on state taxes. So it's not like a IRA where it's the first, um, I can just deduct. So if yeah. I put $4,000 in there, I can deduct that off my state taxes. Yes, and that's for your South Carolina, yes. If you contribute $500, a 1000 in that year span and it's time to do your taxes, you let them know, and that will be a deduction on the South Carolina um, tax return. Yes, sir. Now, will I have to pay money when I pull the money out to pay for school? No. No, because that is the only thing, because you're knowing that that is going towards it, so no, you will not have to. And then if you decide that or that child decides that, hey, Dad, I think I changed my mind, I want to go to college, well, guess what? You can pass it to someone else, another family member, or even yourself. So those that continue to, um, those funds are used for the purpose of college. Yes, so it doesn't have to be for that specific child. I can pass it on, even though I, yeah. I fully anticipate this. But that definitely makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Now, you, I imagine you are in the height of tax season right now, especially since, I guess, yesterday was business tax day? Yes. Deadline, the deadline for your partnership, that Form 1065, and also for S-Corp. That 1120S form, the deadline was yesterday, and I would tell anyone who haven't um, filed their business return, just be prepared for that penalty. It's $204 per month that where you haven't filed times the number of partners you have. Yeah, so it's a little hefty penalty if you didn't file. And honestly, a lot of, I would say this, my interaction engagement with businesses, some people, even though they get into the partnership or S-Corp, they don't know the stipulations of it as well. They don't know that penalty. They don't know the deadline. They get confused thinking it may you're supposed to file April the 15th, but no, you file April, I mean, March 15th. So 
um, if you have not filed your partnership or your S-Corp, the deadline was yesterday, and if you'll be looking for a penalty uh, for late filing. That's $204 per month times per month? the number of partnerships. That is correct. Times the number of partnerships, yeah. yes. That's $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and um, and matter of fact, I did, it was just, um, I can say this about my client, he was just calling for a consultation saying he had a business and him and his wife went into business together, they're partners, and as I was continuing to ask him questions or whatnot, I asked him, can he please get his letter from the Internal Revenue Service? So he got it, I said, what does it say? I said, do you see a 1065 form on there asking for, he said, yes, ma'am. I said, don't you know the deadline is, at the time, it was last week. I said, you don't you know the deadline is Monday? He said, I had no idea. So that's what I'm saying, that they get, you know, business um, individuals get into it, and but they don't know the stipulations uh, behind it. So it's good to have an accountant, tax professional, whomever, just to let you know that, too, before you get into something. And I would imagine if, the day of, you can probably file for an extension, but you couldn't do that the day after. Huh? Yes. No, no, the extension is done. Yes, the day of, you can file for an extension, um, and that will be good. But, yeah, afterwards, you know, you'll just have a penalty. So, But um, even though you'll have that penalty, it's still best to get that file as soon as possible. Gotcha. So I guess for him being, if, if he... That guy was just him and his wife. That would be four hundred dollars per month, which, of course, mm-hmm. is not as bad as a thousand five partners. But still, that's money you you shouldn't have to have paid. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so, not, yeah, not knowing, but you probably can find. You know, if you say you didn't know, or usually sometimes the IRS, well, uh, the IRS can waive a fee usually the first time. So you can mm-hmm. just you know, but you have to give reasons behind it though. Um, so they will take that. All right. Now, um, what changes are we facing tax-wise uh, this year? Oh, so with the new administration, we had several great changes, I would say, that will help a lot of Americans out from the American Rescue Plan. And one of them that's really hot that, it was a little confusing at first for a lot of people, but the child tax credit, even though we're talking about the stimulus checks, a lot of families need to really pay attention to the child tax credit. If you have a child six years and under, um, you can the, the child tax credit has increased from 2000 which is usually you get that credit to offset your taxable liability, but it raised from 2000 to 3600 for a child under six. If you have a child over six, that credit is $3,000. But this is the catch. You will actually be getting payments, like money in the mail starting in July. So what they will do from July to December, they will give the families um, money towards that child tax credit, and the remaining, it will go as a credit on your 2021 taxes. So, 
and, and matter of fact, I, there's a calculation out there for individuals who would like to know how much they will be getting. They'll go based on your filing status, whether you're single, head of household, merit filing, jointly merit filing separately. Then they'll ask you how many kids you have under six or over six, and they're there, then they're going to ask you for your adjusted gross income. Once you give them that all that information in that calculator, it's going to tell you how much you're going to start receiving this July. And for one of my clients, they will be receiving $550 per month from July to December, and the remaining will go as a credit and, and uh, for the 2021 tax. So I think that's really good. So what's the AGI, uh, just the gross income, that gets you, that you sort of, you won't get anything? Well, the thing is with the credit, I mean, yes, there there are thresholds, but for the most part, if you know you received a child tax credit before, um, you will get it. It's just increased. So usually, um, you know, if, if you in the hundreds of thousands, then of course not because then it starts phasing out. But usually the average family, if you have restarted, if you were receiving a child tax credit before, then more than likely you will receive it this time. So I would say that's a plus where families are actually getting money in their pocket versus waiting to tax time to get a credit to offset, which is a good thing, but it's nothing like getting that money in your hand. So, and so what you're saying is I got a 17-year-old and I got a 13-year-old. So you're saying mm-hmm. that's going to be $6,000 and it's about $500 a month. So I'll get about, theoretically, about $500 a month from July to December. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're going to actually receive those payments starting in July. And I think uh, it kind of went over people's heads because, like I said, I, you know, I was just up on this thing, credit, credit, but no. Uh, you will actually receive payment, whether it's direct deposit or if the check will be mailed to you. And then the remaining of those funds will go will be applied as a credit on your 2021 taxes. So that's a plus. That's a big plus. That's a big plus. So, yeah. Okay. What, what else is new? So everybody, of course, knows about that $1,400 stimulus check. But what's different about the stimulus checks are for your first stimulus check and your second stimulus check, if you had a child in college or if you had an an adult dependent, you did not get any money for those persons. But with this third stimulus check, you can still, now you can get money for that adult dependent and for that child that was going to college. So you're looking at $1,400 times two if you're within the threshold. So that is the difference with the stimulus checks. So because before, you know, a lot of parents like, why my child? Yes, my child's in college. But the thing is they were not giving any money towards that child in college even though you were claiming them as a dependent. Or if you were claiming a a parent or whomever because you was paying, you know, majority of the support, they still were not, was not giving you any money towards uh, those persons for the first two checks. But now, for this third one, you will receive $1,400 for each one of them. So that's the difference with the stimulus check that is a plus for a lot of people. 
And you'll get fourteen hundred dollars for now for that so I guess the kid that sort of works in the summertime but is in college, mm-hmm. he won't get a check. Mm-hmm. I don't think they got a check before, so they won't get a check, right, because they're dependent. Well, yes, they will, because the thing is that people, when even though you have a child in college and they're working, usually if they do not make more than their standard deduction, the standard deduction is 12400 So, But that child will put on their taxes that someone else can claim it as a dependent. So I'm still taking care of that child. That child is in college. Yes, they got a summer job, but I still can claim that child. So on this stimulus check, I'm going to claim Tim, you know, my child who's in college. And so I'm going to get a $1,400 check, and Tim is going to get a $1,400 check. That would still be my check. Okay. All right. Any other changes that are? Yes. Another thing is that people will need to realize, um, even though if you did not receive your stimulus for the first one, $1,200, the uh, second one, uh, $600, you can, you can receive the recovery rebate credit on your 2020 taxes. But this is the thing. Even though you did not get the, that money in your hand, which is great for anyone, you want that money in your hand, but unfortunately, it will be applied as a credit. But the only thing that is a downturn, a downfall for this one, if you have outstanding debt with anyone else, um, like, for instance, because it's a pass-through through your income taxes, then that money still could be withheld. So even though it's a credit, but if you owe the IRS, they're not technically taking your money. But if you owe, it's still, like, incorporated into your other, you know, uh, funds, wages, and income, and, and whatnot. So that's the only thing with that. And also, if you know that you really don't have a taxable liability at all because you don't zero out with other credits, daycare credit, EIC credit, it doesn't, or earn income, it doesn't matter. So even though you prefer that money in your hand, this is only a credit. And if you zero out, it doesn't, it didn't do you any good. Or if you owe the IRS, they're not technically taking your money, but if you owe them and it comes out that way, then you, it, it's, you know, you don't get any, you wouldn't get anything. So but, that's the difference that, with that. Mm-hmm. So you have to excuse me on this one. You got to back up a little bit. The recovery okay. rebate credit. What, what is that? I don't have a clue. You sort of, what, what is okay. that? How do you? So the, so the recovery rebate credit, so if you did not get your stimulus $1,200 the first one, if you did not okay. get your second one, people are still wondering, what do I do? How can I still get my money? You cannot. The answer is it's done. It's over. The only way that you can recoup anything from that is what they have called as the recovery re- rebate credit where that credit the question on the software, it asks you, did you receive stimulus checks? And you're, you answer yes or no. If you did not receive it, you, you said that you wouldn't receive it, and then they will apply a credit for those two checks that you did not receive. So that is, it, it just, it's in lieu of those checks that you missed earlier, but it's now a credit versus actual money. So you're saying if I was supposed to get a, a stimulus check and I didn't, then I'm going to get a mm-hmm. credit instead of a check. Right, on your okay. 2020 taxes. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But okay. if I Another thing. Uh huh. But if I owe Uncle Sam, um, mm-hmm. so if I owe money this um, tax tax season, that twelve hundred dollars or that six hundred dollars is going to come off of that. So, but that will be a that will lower what I owe, right? That is correct. It will lower it. Okay, now so go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. Any, um, so, yeah, so that's how that one goes. We talked about the child tax credit. Another thing that is a good thing out of this is the unemployment. For a lot of individuals who lost their job or was um, couldn't, couldn't go really work, so they had to rely on unemployment. So I would say this with the new American Rescue plan, you are now entitled to that first 10200 would not be taxable. So that is a good thing because, you know, I, I, my first client, he had unemployment. So, of course, um, that tax return will be uh, amended uh, just to help him out because, again, this wasn't passed as of yet. So if you have already done your taxes or filed your taxes before this law was passed, just know, go back and amend. You will be responsible for the payment, you know, for your tax professional. It's not going to be free, but at least you know that money that they taxed earlier, it is non-taxable now. So that's the money that you can get back. So that is a big thing for individuals who receive unemployment. Ms. Donaldson. Yes. Uh, okay. Someone like Ms. Dave, or someone like me and my wife who are, and my wife and I who are going to see our tax specialist Friday, is there anything that I need to bring to the table with us that you would say that's new, like, hey, just in case they're not 100% up to date? Um, yes, I would say this. Um, well, the first thing is, like I said, these are the general thing if, if, as far as if you receive your stimulus checks, good. If you have not, that question will prompt up. That's a, a, a question. Um, your ta- child tax credit is going to be norm now, but just know that you're going, if you have children within those age limits, you know, you're going to get your money on the back end. Um, if you have any type of unemployment, just know most systems, accounting software systems are not updated yet, but they have, it's a way that now we can um, do something backdoor to give the client uh, a credit. So that could be something there. Um, just ask them, just making sure if you did have unemployment, you know, um, they may tell you to wait or whatnot because, you know, I did tell clients to wait after the law has passed just to make sure the accounting software is updated. But that is another as far as unemployment. Another one is if you do not itemize and you always take their standard deduction. What is another one that is on the accounting software is charitable contributions. And basically if you, because usually when you itemize, you, you know, give to charity and whatnot and you get additional money. But now even though you're standard deduction, they will give you a maximum of $300 to deduct. So that is something else. Is there more for teachers? Yes, teachers, $250. Okay. Yeah, teachers, that, that's the plus. Yeah, teachers, $250 in the state of South Carolina. On the state side, I know for here, um, it's $275 if the teachers um, 
if the teachers, you know, purchase supplies or whatnot. But what, what I gather is teachers are receiving that, that check, supply check, as they call it, from the school. But just in case a teacher did not receive that 275 from the school, they can get that, that um, credit on their state taxes, on their uh, South Carolina state taxes. So that's something additional. Uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, let me ask you this question here. Um, if you are a sole proprietor, mm-hmm. um, but you also have a business as well. So so I got a sole proprietor deal, and I got another deal where it's an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. Should you... Should you use your your tax deduction for your home office, which is sole proprietorship, or your S corp? Well, it just it just depends. Um, usually, for you can do it either. You can do right. either, but you cannot double dip. You can't do it both. You cannot right. dub, you cannot double double dip. So it's it's either if you do if you were to do home office and then you split the utilities okay, or however you want to do it, then that's fine. But just know once you you can't do the 100% on uh, both of them. Okay. okay. All right. We're good. Good, good, good. Well, of course, hey, we can, we can go on and on and on with these tax questions. But the, yeah. for the year coming up, um, what are some big things uh, – for next year and before we get into that I just want to mention two things as you were talking about businesses um, I would say this for business owners knowing the PPP which is known as the paycheck protection program is out there just know if you haven't applied for that you have until March 31st, and also if you haven't applied or if your application is still with the financial lender and they haven't submitted it to SBA, there's an interim uh, calculation that, that was changed where now you can get more money. They're not going back and helping us, people who have already gotten our second draw PPP or the first draw, but starting now, if you haven't applied for PPP, and, or if your application is currently with the financial lender, you can ask them, can you, I would like to cancel my application, and I want you to apply the new calculation to it. So instead of them, if you're a sole proprietor, they'll take your net profit, divide it by 12, multiply it by 2.5 to give you your estimated PPP amount. What they're doing now, they're doing your growth, your growth sales. So they're taking your sales and doing a calculation on, on that versus all this division. So now you're getting more money for your PPP. So that, that they flip that in. If you are a sole proprietor, say, you can you can apply for the PPP? Yes. Yes, sir. You're doing that Schedule C. You surely can. Oh, I didn't realize that. Even though it's just oh, okay. you. You don't have to have – you don't have to have – Yes, it's paycheck, but you're the sole owner, so you're getting your money from the net profit because you got to be paid some kind of way. You got to be paid. You got to, you know, get paid. 
So they're taking it from your net profit, but you have to make a profit. You know, some business owners, they love that loss, which is fine. But just know when you're dealing with the loan, you need a profit. So if you had a profit and you're a sole proprietor, it's just you, you have a Schedule C, you now can, based on your gross sales, you, based on a new calculation, that can be your new, that can be your PPP amount. I'm going to have to call you on that. And the deadline is March 31st. <laughs> yeah, as long as you do got that Schedule C, you can apply for a PPP. Oh, and let me continue. Um, and also, they have what is the called the targeted EIDL. The targeted, and that is the EIDL, is the Economic Impact Disaster Loan, which people were getting earlier on. So if you did not receive one earlier on, just know, go to SBA. They are doing, you go directly to SBA for this one where you do the application or whatnot. So you can get money. Now, this one is not forgiven. It's a straight loan, but the interest rate is only 3.75% over a 30-year period, and it, it, it helps you. It can really help you. So just know that that loan is also out there. And it also is helping a lot of nonprofits because a lot of nonprofits were missed earlier on, but now nonprofits, they're doing a lot with nonprofits as well. As always, lots of great information, lots of great information. And as always, we're probably going to call you back again. So if no, you don't no. mind, and it might, be, it might be right around that, that right before tax season uh, ends. So, But we'll definitely be in touch with you. But we definitely appreciate you joining us. No problem. Any information I can provide. Thank you very much. And how can, how can our listeners contact you? Yes. Um, my company is called Donaldson Tax and Bookkeeping Services, LLC. Uh, you can go on my website at www.donaldsontax.com or Instagram at I am Donaldson Tax. So mainly just go on the website, Google me, Donaldson Tax and Bookkeeping Services here in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. And it gives all my contact information. Say that again? I think we're going to take a quick break for you back in the future. I'ma stay safe. I'ma stay safe. I'ma stay safe. Even though I'm out of time, I'ma stay safe. I'ma stay safe. I'ma stay safe. Even though I'm out of time, I'ma stay safe. Excuse me, Mister. My wife was in front of the line, dear sir. I don't think it's right if I allow you to skip me. I just wanna keep peace, get the tickets to this movie. I'm trying to be discreet, sir. It's really not deep, sir. We all gon' get a seat, sir. And we all gon' eat, sir. So please, will you calm down? Let me put your arms down. I don't wanna show down, but it's about to go down. It's a nice night, but we just can't act right. Just because I'm Christ-like doesn't mean I'm ice-like. I'ma be the bigger man and let you bump me Cause it's 80 y'all and y'all probably gon' jump me And have me looking crazy and all in front of my company, man I'm not gon' pay the bill Chillin' is the right move, let me think I got a choice to make Go to jail, go to hell or face 
say, baby, put the mace away. Say, ain't gonna start nothing. I'ma say, say, ain't gonna start nothing. I'ma say, say, and even though I The super size and forgot my apple pie. So miss if you'd be so kind. I am sort of pressed for time. Will you take this number four and switch it with the number nine? Go to the back of the line. Man, you got me messed up. I have an important meeting. Why you think I'm dressed up? Gator shoes and best up. If I go back, I'll be late. Man, if you could just give me a refund, that would be so great. What you about to go on break? Can I get my money first? You ain't gotta get loud and miss you ain't gotta curse. Can I see the manager before this thing gets any worse well i don't want your sandwich yo i don't want the money either i just think i'll walk away before i stop pressing back to something i don't want to say gotta stay prayed up cause people will test you she's still cussing see you later god bless I'ma you i'm gonna say say ain't gonna start nothing i'm gonna say say ain't gonna start nothing i'm gonna stay say and even though i'm hiding When I'm driving on 285 and somebody cut me off and flip me the bird, uh, I'ma stay safe. When I'm playing ball and they filing dog and I hit the floor and get up and say a word, uh, I'ma stay safe. When I'm walking through the mall with my wife and somebody's still attempting to catch her eye, I'ma stay safe. When I go to the refrigerator and somebody doesn't eat my sweet potato pie, I'ma stay safe. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. Um, we've had a great night so far, and we've got a, a, a great man that's going to finish up the night, uh, Mr. Tony Levine. Coach Levine, how's everything going? Yeah, it's going fantastic, and thank you for having me on this evening. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Now, you are a owner of a Chick-fil-A, but I'm sure everybody heard me call you Coach. So if you don't mind, give us a little bit of your background and, and how you got to Chick-fil-A. Uh, yes, I'd be, uh, I'd be honored to. So I uh, originally born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, coming out of college at the University of Minnesota, trying to figure out uh, uh, what I wanted to do and, and uh, had a passion for, uh, you know, trying to impact people's lives and, and competition and, and team and motivation and encouragement and, and entered the football coaching profession. Uh, spent 22 years as, uh, as a football coach at really every level. Started off in high school and went to small college. Uh, spent some time at 
several major colleges, Purdue, Auburn, Louisville, University of Houston, uh, spent two years coaching special teams in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers along the way. So 22 years of coaching. And um, when we moved to Houston, Texas, uh, my wife's from Alabama. Again, I mentioned I'm from up north, Minnesota. Fell in love with the state of Texas, the city of Houston. Wanted to call this home. And my wife and I have uh, four children that are now just turned uh, 16, 14, 12, and 10. Wanted to spend more time with them, but still try to make an impact uh, uh, on a team and on people's lives and make a difference in a community and felt like uh, uh, owning and and running a Chick-fil-A franchise would give me that opportunity. So we're coming up now uh, on my third year of owning the restaurant. We're back in Houston where we, uh, we coached uh, at the University of Houston for seven years. So really a third of my coaching career was spent uh, here in Houston. And uh, we've been back in Houston now for uh, almost three years uh, uh, running our restaurant. Now, here's the thing. Now, of course, he's being extremely modest uh, because he didn't say that he was the head coach at a university of Houston for three of those years. Um, so you, you, how do you relate your head coaching experience to running your own business? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, about three or four months after we opened the restaurant, uh, I was actually at a meeting here in Houston with all of the, uh, Houston area Chick-fil-A owners. There was about, uh, 80 Chick-fil-A owners at this meeting, and as it was about to get started, one of the Chick-fil-A owners uh, said out loud, kind of across the room, you know, hey, Tony, what's it like not coaching anymore? And again, our restaurant had been open at the time about three or four months, and uh, my immediate response to him was, you know what, I'm still coaching. So uh, our restaurant, we have about 120 employees. I refer to them as team members. So we've got about 120 team members, um, extremely uh, diverse. We got 14 year olds. We got a 70 year old. Every age in between, every race, religion, culture, demographic, you name it. Which is what I loved about coaching football. Which is what I love about uh, the city of Houston. And uh, you know, our team needs training, needs coaching, needs encouragement, needs motivation. Uh, we have competition. Uh, Houston, uh, coincidentally, is actually the number one market in the nation for Chick-fil-A restaurants. So they're all over the place. We have competition, you know, among our restaurants, among, uh, among uh, you know, other establishments in our, in our area. So it's been uh, a tremendous parallel, and I felt like it would be as I went through the, uh, the process to, to acquire the franchise. And then now that we've had it, again, almost for three years, uh, there are so many parallels in running a college football program and in owning a Chick-fil-A franchise. It's just been, uh, it's been a great transition and something that uh, not only myself but my family has really enjoyed. Okay. Now, I'm sort of uh, transitioning. I'm not, I don't own a Chick-fil-A, but I, I'm sort of in the situation where I'm transitioning out of coaching myself just so I can spend a little bit more time um, with my family, especially as my daughter's getting ready to head off to college next year. So, but, and I say that to ask, how was that transition from coaching to not coaching? Well, yeah. I know you're still coaching. I mean, coaching football. Right. 
no, I, I'm with you. And so, so our oldest, we have three boys and a girl. Our oldest just turned 16. So when I got out of coaching, uh, he was 12 or 13, you know, uh, three years ago. So I've had the opportunity, uh, as you alluded to, you know, I think some people, uh, and you've experienced this, certainly I've experienced this. I think most college or NFL and even high school coaches have experienced this where, where you'll meet someone and they'll say, oh, you've got the best job in the world. You've got the greatest job ever. You're, you're a football coach. And, and it is a great job. And you and I were passionate about it for, for much of our career and, you know, loved almost all of it. But, but I think some people see you standing on the sidelines on a Saturday afternoon or a Friday night and calling plays, you got a headset on and you're winning the game and you're running the field. And uh, what, you, what you tend to not see or realize are the four nights you slept in your office Sunday through Thursday or, or Thursday night when you're home finally with your family having dinner and your cell phone rings just as you sit down and it's your top quarterback high school recruit and you got to go talk to him and his parents for an hour. And when you come off that phone call, uh, dinner's been over, the food's cleared, and your your kids are up in their room getting ready for bed, and, and you missed it. So um, there's give and take in any profession. There is no perfect profession. But uh, for me, having a chance to coach my kids is something I'll cherish forever, and I'm still doing it in their sports. And to, and to, to be around them uninterrupted, uh, so focused where the phone's not ringing. I'm not thinking about the recruit or the play we ran on third down and short and we didn't make it. Or, you know, I, I think there's uh, the opportunity I had to transition out after 22 years of doing a lot of things I wanted to and accomplish, accomplishing things I wanted to in terms of being a head coach or coaching the National Football League or being at a Power 5 program. And uh, the timing was perfect for me. So it was uh, – uh, it was really not, you know, nothing's ever uh, necessarily easy. Um, and I will say this too, uh, Everett. I think I think a lot of times, really, regardless of job, regardless of status, regardless of position in a in an organization, uh, I think this is true for athletes. What I'm about to say, regardless of sport, regardless of really what level of sport you're playing, I think it's important that people. Uh, try to um, purposely and intentionally not get their identity wrapped up in a job or a sport. So uh, I'm a husband, I'm a father, that, that's my identity. What I did for 22 years was coach football, and I was passionate about it and I loved it. But everything comes to an end at some point, and if that is your identity – then I think people can struggle when they have to transition or when they choose to do something different. So I've seen so many athletes, football players, they're done playing, whether it's college, high school even, NFL, and it's nobody wants my autograph anymore, nobody's patting me on the back anymore, nobody's cheering for me anymore. Now, now, now what do I do? Like my, and that's, that's what you did, that's what you loved, that's what you were great at, but it's not who you are. So I, I think, I think if, if people can – wrap their mind and their arms around that, I think it, uh, it helps in terms of transitions like these. You know what? Hey, I got to get you uh, to, to go on and, and, and say a spot for the West Foundation because that's, that's, you're you talking a lot of what we're talking about. Um, because, you know, as our goal is to help kids understand that you can be successful without being a professional athlete. 
And even though I think there's a lot of things you can gain from chasing that dream, but as you just said, the sport's going to end at some point. And at that point, what do you have in your tool belt that's going to help you become successful? And that's what we want to do, help equip these kids to, to have something on their tool belt to help them be successful. Because um, it's going to end at some point. Even Tom Brady, he's been in the league for 21 years, but it's going to end <laughs> here the next time. I don't know if it's next year or, or the following. I mean, Drew Brees just retired. So now he's got to deal with that. Okay, what's next? And uh, there's only a few people that are fortunate enough to make so much money that you don't have to worry about anything afterwards. And uh, so you got to figure that out. What's next? What 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 is the success going to look like on the other side of the sport? And that's what we want to help these kids kind of figure out. Yeah, that's, that is what so you're saying? true, and I appreciate you saying that. And I and I would even and I would even say this to add to add to what you just said slightly, is even Tom Brady, you know you mentioned only a small handful make so much money they don't have to worry. But but you know I think people fantasize or think you know laying in bed or think while well, they're daydreaming, man, I'd love to I'd love to win the lottery. I'd love to win, make so much money that I wouldn't have to worry about anything. But you know what? I think this is just my opinion, but I think in life you want to have a purpose. You want to try to make a difference. You want to make an impact. So I don't. I don't think Tom Brady, when he's finished in a few years, in my opinion, I don't. I don't know Tom Brady, but I'm guessing he's not going to just take his money and his wife's money and just go to an island and just sit there and uh, lay out every day and go fishing. So I think they're going to be active and he'll be competitive and he'll find something to do, whether it's uh, commentating or nonprofits or play-by-play, like. Like I think, I think people think about that. Oh, I you know I want to I want to play in the NFL and make all this money. Where you and I know, you know, the average stay in the NFL is three years. Uh, the minimum salary salary for a rookie is about five hundred thousand before taxes and before you pay your agent. And so that you're not set for life even when you do that. So uh, I totally agree with you. I think uh, I think when I coached at the University of Houston, we talked to our players all the time about. You know, in the summer when you got three months, and then you're still training and you're still working out. But you when you when you're when when the the workload in the class is not like it is in the fall and the spring, and you're not preparing for games and watching all the films, so you got some time. You know, I, I I remember when I was first got into coaching and I would talk to my players and that I was their position coach, and they'd say, "Hey, this summer I'm gonna I'm gonna work for a landscaping company and just mow lawns and make some extra cash, or I'm gonna go work at a nightclub and be a bouncer at the front door and make some extra cash." Like when I was at Houston, my whole mentality changed. Like, guys, we're gonna set you up for internships because when you graduate high school, and I think this would be fair advice, when you graduate high school, everybody at the next level in terms of colleges, they say, "Hey." We want to see your transcripts. So we want to see your grade point average. We want to see your attendance. We want to see if you were tardy. We want to see your, your, your ACT and SAT when you graduate high school. But what I think a lot of students don't appreciate or even maybe understand or know yet, when you graduate college, if you don't go play your sport professionally, these jobs out there, they don't ask you for your college transcript. They don't, they don't say, you know, what was your grade point average in college? What, what, what did you how, – how often did you attend class? No, no one asked you that in college because they know you got your degree. So they're going to say, you know, let me see your resume. Let me see your work experience. 
And, and is it impressive that you were a student athlete in college? Yes, absolutely. It shows you can manage time. It shows you understand teamwork. It, it shows a lot of things. But when, you're, when your resume at 22, 23 years old, in addition to being a student athlete, says, I mowed lawns one summer and I was a bouncer at a nightclub another summer, that's maybe not as impressive as I had an internship at this bank or I had an internship at this other business and was it always paid? Maybe not, but it gives you experience. It can show you early on, you know, man, this is what I want to do. Or, you know what, I tried this for three months. It was good experience, but I know that's actually not what I want to do. So I think preparing for life after sports, in my opinion, in my opinion is extremely important. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, as, and as I think about it, my son um, is extremely fortunate. Uh, because we was able to get him, he's an engineer major at, at Vanderbilt, and he was able to have an internship before his freshman year. Um, then he had another internship before his freshman year, and he's already got one lined up before his junior year. So that, that work experience is definitely something that I think he's going to be able to put himself in a situation. One, he was able to see, uh, the first year was with civil engineering, and he was like, yeah, this is good, but it's not quite what I want to do. Um, and so he sort of found his path in engineering as well. So as you just said, it alluded to him being able to say, hey, I know I want to be an engineer, but not that type. And, uh, okay, I like this over here, and now you get opportunity just to work some different places. So that is extremely important, and I agree with you totally. And uh, that is that is definitely something that I never thought of before that they don't ask for your transcript, but they want to see your resume. And that work experience is definitely something that they can be looking at. So that is, that is definitely a, a good word right there. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, the, uh, the, uh, now your, your time, you had opportunity to, to work at, at every level from a coaching perspective, um, at the professional level, um, at the Power Five level, at the Group of Five level, um, where do you think for for guys that, that want to get to that professional level? What did you see was the major difference between you know those college guys and those professional guys? Yeah, uh, great question. So, so Everett, here's here's of the thousands of stories I could probably tell, and you could too from your career. Uh, here's what pops into my mind immediately when you ask me that question. You know, again, unprepared, not even knowing you're going to ask me that. So I was in, uh, I was coaching at the Carolina Panthers special teams. I mentioned that earlier, 2006 and 2007. And Jake DeLome was our quarterback. Um, in the middle of the season, he gets he gets banged up. We lose him for a few games. Uh, we have David Carr as a backup. He gets banged up. We lose him for a few games. And all of a sudden, we're, we're getting ready one week, middle of the season, to play the Arizona Cardinals on the road at Arizona. And our top two quarterbacks are banged up. And literally on Wednesday morning, we sign, I believe at the time he was 44 years old. I, I could be off by a year or two, but I believe that was correct. He was, he was at home, sitting on his couch, retired, watching television, 44-year-old Vinny Testaverde. We signed, we signed Vinny, 
and on Wednesday morning of game week, I can picture like it was yesterday. I am I am walking out to practice, and a Carolina Panthers shuttle pulls up, and the door opens, and Benny gets out of the shuttle. He's got a suitcase, and he comes he comes walking into the facility, about to go change clothes, and come out to to practice, try to learn the offense. And we play in, I'm going to say, four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're, we're, we're playing the Arizona Cardinals on the road in four days. And he just showed up from his couch uh, the night before. So we're at meetings that afternoon, and John Fox was our head football coach uh, for the Panthers at the time. And, and Coach Fox is having a team meeting, and Vinny is sitting in the middle in the first row. So he's sitting in the first row in the middle, and he literally is the only individual in the meeting. He's got a notebook opened up. He's got a pen out, and he is writing notes like I've never seen, like like his life depended on it. And this is not, to be clear, this is not the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach teaching the offense. This is just the head coach review and practice, kind of going over what we need to do, we feel like, to, to win the game this Sunday, what the itineraries will look like when we get to the airport Saturday and fly to, fly to Arizona. So he's just kind of going over some peripheral details that 99.9% of our players and coaches are just listening to it and soaking it all in. All right, we, we got it. It makes sense. Okay, we'll get to the airport at 2 o'clock. All right, we got to walk through Friday night. Vinny is writing it all down. So I went, I went to him that week. Long story short, I'm talking too much on this, but long story short, we fly to Arizona. We actually win the game with, with Vinny playing quarterback and throwing touchdown passes to Steve Smith. And I approached Vinny. He was with us the rest of the season. I said, I said, you know, tell me about your preparation. And he said, I felt like I had to be the best student of the game. So in high school, great athletes, they rise to the top. They can show up. They can, they can play. They, they, they separate themselves just from their athletic ability in the games on Friday night. Uh, even sometimes during the week, they may not practice as much. They could maybe sit out of practice. But when the lights are on Friday night, their athletic ability, they're so much better than, than everyone they're playing against, really a lot of their teammates. They, they, they can just do it naturally. Then you get to college, and still you have some elite ones that can, that can get by and still um, – you know, really flourish with not quite the preparation maybe they needed and maybe the offense is maybe simple enough where they can they can learn it and if, if they if they bust a route on a pass play it's not totally noticed. But when you get to playing on Sundays in the NFL, the preparation and and the becoming an expert at your position and a true student of the game and the film study and the question and answer session you know, we had a quarterback at the University of Houston named Case Keenum, and Case is still in the NFL, undrafted, and just a student of the game. You know, you look at Tom Brady, you know, if somebody, if somebody came uh, to the planet Earth a couple months ago and didn't know anything about football other than there's a draft, and let's watch, let's watch the NFL at the highest level, and someone told, someone told his visitor to our planet, hey, Tom Brady's arguably the best that's ever played the game they would probably say, oh, well, he must have been the first pick of the draft. He must have been the, at least a top ten pick of the draft. And here's a guy that was a sixth-round pick, the 199th pick of the draft. Countless quarterbacks were drafted before him. 
but he outworked him and he outstudied him and he outprepared him and he's he's made himself uh you know arguably the greatest to ever play the game. So to me that's the difference. You you want to get to that level and succeed, I would recommend you don't wait to start um creating those habits of studying and preparing. I, I would recommend you start you start doing it now if you're in high school and college. Man, so true. So true. But you know what? I think that there's a lot of kids that want to be Tom Brady but don't want to do what it takes to be Tom Brady. And that preparation and that studying, they're not willing to do. They want to just do it off of all talent. And uh, more often than not, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. So uh, one of my most favorite books um, is Talent is Never Enough by John Maxwell. And he just talks about how only talent is going to take you so far. And uh, because there's always going to be somebody who's more talented. But if you're not willing to do all these other things, there's going to be somebody that's, that is willing to do them, and they're going to beat you out. Um, so it's, uh, that's, that's definitely a great word again. I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate that. The, um, and, and normally I ask you to, to, to give a word of advice, but that was that word of advice right there. <laughs> want to start want to start preparing uh now to be that guy that you want to be so so that is that's really good and you know as I think about that again Carolina Panther story um I had an opportunity to do an internship uh with the Panthers back in ninety nine and Reggie White was there mhm and every day practice when everybody is gone off the field. Reggie White is there for another 15, 20 minutes um, just working on drills. He's got the, the, the dummy out there, and, and he's just working on drills. And that sort of solidified in my mind why he's one of the, one of the best that ever did it. He's, doing, he's taking his preparation to another level. And, you know, it was amazing that, you know, there wasn't more young guys out there saying, hey, I want to be like Reggie White, so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do what Reggie does. But instead, they just went inside. So, it's, right. uh, so, so, how many of them are willing to do what it takes to be the best? Well, and and you know what, I will speak to that. You you actually, you actually took an example right out of my mouth there when you when you said give some advice. If you don't mind, I will I will give one more piece of of advice if that's okay. Uh, and it's, yep. it's 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 what you the example you just gave is what I was almost just exactly going to say is. My advice to to any, for sure, high school and even college athletes, student athletes listening to this would be, if you like, I'm I'm big on setting goals. So I think not only should you set goals, uh, you know, for your either either sport, athletic related goals, school related goals, uh, you know, personal for your personal life goals. But I I'm a big believer in not only setting goals but then writing them down. To me they to me they become more real when you write them down. But what I'm getting at in terms of advice is this, and it's exactly what you just said. I think when you set goals or you say, hey, I want to do this, I'm going to go play Division One football, or I want to go play in the NFL, or I want to be a college football coach one day, or I want to be a head football coach one day, whatever it is, I want to own my own business, whatever it is. Um, and, again, I'm going to add to it. If I want to be a doctor one day, I want to be a lawyer, whatever it is, I think then your actions – need to 
equal and be on the same the same path as what your goals are. So it it would break my heart, and I see it all the time. Is is I want to I want to I want to get a full ride to a Division One football program. Okay, but as soon as as soon as practice over, like you can, you can't wait to sprint off the field, get in the shower, and, and go home. And you got other guys staying out here to do extra on their own. You're 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 the last one to show up for meetings, and you forget your playbook when everybody else has it. But you want to go, you want to get a, a scholarship. Like it's not it's not matching what you say you want to do. So um, that would be that would be my advice. And the example you just gave Reggie White was what I was thinking when I was at Carolina. Steve Smith, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL at the time, and same thing. Practice would end, players. I, players would not only leave and go to facilities, shower, change clothes, and be going out to their cars, and he's still there running routes with a manager throwing him the ball, and he's still there on the jugs machine catching passes at, at low ball, high ball, bad ball, left ball, right ball, behind. So it's no accident that he was one of the best receivers during that time because he put the work in and he was a pro bowler every year because of it. So I, I totally agree with your story on Reggie White. And hey, and as, I, as I summarize what you said, being great isn't an accident. You got to work for it, without question. We'll have to put that one out there on, on Facebook sometime soon on Instagram. So you, when you see it, you know that I got it from you. <laughs> I got you. Hey, but Tony, I, I definitely appreciate it, man. It's it great talking with you, and uh, hopefully, sometime, sometime uh, in the future, we can get you back on again and uh, just just talk a little bit more about your business and, and how that relates to not just athletics but to life. And uh, but it, but it's definitely a lot of good words you share with us today. I appreciate it. Yes, no, as we say in Chick Fil A, it's my pleasure. And uh, Everett, it was great talking to you, hearing your voice again. And please, please give your family uh, our best. It's been a few years. Same on your end. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few.
how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We had a great show tonight, a great show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Dave, how was the show from your perspective? It was, it was great. I mean, the fact that, you know, you had someone here for every aspect of the financial aid to loans to taxes. I mean, there was a lot of great information, and like, even I was sitting there with a pen and paper taking down to a lot of stuff, especially the tax stuff. So it was great for all of right. us. Right. Good. Good. So the, the scholarship moment, momentum, um, you know, first and foremost, the big thing is start in the ninth grade. It's not too early to start. If you've got a ninth grader, go on and get them now um, to start searching for um, scholarships, doing community service, make sure you're keeping records of it. Uh, the, and there's a bunch of websites that you can find scholarships on. The big one that she talked about was JLV College Counseling. Again, JLV College Counseling. Um, so Google that, and they got a – um, from what she said, that it was it was very detailed. So they got it for, you know, regardless of what your major is, academic uh, thoughts, the economic side, regardless of what it is, just go there. And then also, big thing, as we said, is going to start as a freshman. That's when you're going to start your brag sheet. Some people call it a resume, but for the scholarship-wise, they call it a brag sheet. So a list of things that you've been involved in, um, whether it's the National Honor Society, whether it's um, you volunteered here or you did that, you want to make sure you keep record of all those things because that's part of what they're going to look, look at um, when they start doing scholarships. So then we went to the financial aid side. Um, and one of the things that they talked about was external and internal scholarships. So as a... Once you get out of your freshman year, you can go to the financial aid office and see what kind of institutional scholarships they have. Now, one of the things that I did not know, and I do have one in college, so I'm going to, going to have him check this out, is that most institutions have, a, have COVID-19 resources. So if you weren't able to do something uh, because of COVID, um, you need to just, well, First of all, if you're in college or have somebody in college, they need to go by their financial aid office and get some more information because there's a different set of rules for each school with the COVID-19. But this is a – he was at a Lone Star College, which is a community college, and they got – did he say it was $18 million or was it $8 million? They got millions of dollars for COVID, for COVID-19 resources. So go check it out. Wherever you are in school, go check the financial aid office out and just and just see. Um, and then something that you talked about was the public service loan forgiveness program, where if you're a teacher or you work in a public sector, you could possibly get part of your student loans forgiven. That's a great deal right there. So I'm sure that's something you're going to look into, right? Oh, it's most definitely. Like I've actually got $5,000 forgiven already, but mm-hmm. I've got thousands left to go, so there's other programs that I'm going to look into, and my wife especially, because she works in, you know, a poor area, so as a physical therapist, you know, she's a, you know, a member of this community, 
she's look she's gonna be looking into some stuff too to help forgive it because like I say, college is expensive and you know you got to look for every every possible way to help pay those loans off. So you're not 90 years old and still paying. Exactly. And unfortunately, there are some people in their 60s still paying student loans, especially if you if you went and got another degree. Um, you know, you went and got your master's, you got your PhD, or you know, a doctor, a lawyer. You had them uh, those extended time in school because of that degree. Uh, I imagine some of that student loan can get pretty expensive. Uh, I heard a story uh, we, once about we a guy. Like I say, we, we're paying upwards over $800 a month between the both of us. Wow. Wow. So, you know, that's, 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 that's it, it, it's a killer. And, you know, she she says it all the time. Like if I got her on the phone or got her on this, she would go crazy because she's like, I wish I knew more growing up because she would have qualified for a lot. I myself would have qualified mm-hmm. for a lot. It, there's a lot of things that we know now that, we didn't know then that could have helped us out tremendously. So and it's amazing that people like you and there's people like your speakers that's helping people like us who, you know, didn't have our colleges paid for that really, truly, you know, we worked hard for our degree. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're paying for them, but it's given us better lives. You know, it, it was worth it to go to college because it's given us a great life. Yeah, but exactly. you know, we are definitely handcuffed by you know the plus eight hundred dollars a month, you know, paying it off and still we'll be paying it off till that say price fifteen years old. No doubt, no doubt. So that's that's one of the big things. Again, we like to talk about financial literacy, and and of course, if you start off out of college with no debt, you're going to be in a much better situation financially than if you've got a bunch of debt. So, and then we started talking a little taxes. Now, here's one thing that I, I, I didn't understand before tonight, that on the 529 you get a deduction on your state taxes, um, but you don't have to pay taxes on it when you pull it out to use it for school. Now, of course, uh, if you don't use it for school, you don't have to pay taxes on it. But if you use it specifically for school, you don't have to pay taxes on it. So that's definitely something to to keep in mind. And there was a lot of good change. I I mean, I I think my wife actually has a 529 for each of my kids. She's been doing a lot of homework on that. But I I think even she thinks that you have to pay something out of it when you take it out. But... You use, knowing that it goes straight to school, that's definitely something that, you know, I'm glad we did start because, you know, our my one son wants to be a you know, veterinarian. My other son, he's six years old, and he wants to be a space, you know, an astronaut and a cowboy and a construction worker. So we're not, we don't know about that one. But for vet school, <laughs> starting at 529 right now is yeah. crucial. So that's a lot of great information. Being a vet, that's that's same thing as as med school. So you're gonna be in school for what six years after you finish college, your undergrad. Yeah, I mean he's eight years old, but he's he already looked up everything he needs to do, and 
you know, he's already got it. Like, he's, he's legit. Like, he's already, like, when we go to the vet, he's sitting there talking about getting internships with him. You know, nice. living on a family farm, oh, it's amazing. Like, he's, us living on a farm, he's helped, you know, you know our cattle get burst. You know, he's helped, he actually helped us save a horse's life. Like, he, he's been out there. And this is things that we've, you know, he's been around and this is what he wants to do. So if someone, even starting at eight years old, wants something, you know, we're going to do everything we possibly can. Now, who knows if he ends up being it, but if he does, we're going to hope, hopefully make sure he's taken care of. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. That's good. The uh, couple of new tax changes. Um, tax credit this year. If you got a, a six-year-old um, or younger, it increased from two thousand to thirty-six hundred, and over six years, it's three thousand. It's three thousand dollars. And the key is, which you have, what an eight and a six-year-old. Is that right? Yes, an eight and a six-year-old. Six hundred for the six-year-old, and three thousand for the. Eight-year-olds, so that's sixty-six hundred dollars. So they'll give you five hundred dollars a month from July to December. Um, so that's six thousand. No, I'm sorry, that's three thousand. And then you'll get another thirty-six hundred dollar credit on next year. That's that's not bad. That's not bad. Hey, it's it, not bad it, at all. It honestly sounds like yeah. I'm I've always even with these latest, you know, checks that we we're getting. Uh, it just seems like. It's too good to be true, and i got to wait to see it to believe it. You know what I mean? Right. But right. No. We, just, we, we just received our stimulus check. And just being completely honest, our whole stimulus check is going to our student loans. And, you know, pay off the interest and stuff. So, I mean, we're glad to get these checks. But, golly, man, if we'd have just known now what we knew then. Life will be a lot easier. Now, here's the thing that, that we got to, well, we don't really have to keep in mind, but it's something to keep in mind, yeah. is that this money has to come from somewhere. So yeah. even though tax rates today, we're going to have to pay for it in taxes later. That's exactly what we were just, my wife and I were discussing, we, we don't know when it's going to hit us or how it's going to hit us, but it's going to hit us. This it, 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 it isn't free. And the thing is, my big question is, even if you give everybody, you know, the $1,500, $1,400, there's still Billions and billions of dollars that's going where? Where's the rest of the money going? They said, and I'd like to say you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think per person, this bill was like it's like five thousand dollars per person that's coming out, and we're getting fourteen hundred a person. So that's that much more going somewhere that we'll never know. So. That's scary to find out. It's scary to kind of see what's going on. Uh, I, I imagine it's going to big business. Big business is definitely going to get some of this. Um, yeah. 
But uh, I think some we're gonna get most of this, I believe. But uh, hey, that's 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 how it goes sometimes. That's how it goes. And, yeah, um, I, I've, I've been a, like I'm not I'm not into politics. I've never really been into it. But I I was part of the teacher strike in West Virginia, and you know. They were, we were struggling for every cent we could get, and all the you know, benefits benefits were horrible. And it was just rough, and it it got to the point where I had to leave my home in West Virginia to get a job in Ohio because that was what was best for my family. And I know there's other people and other you know jobs that had to do the same, and it sucks when you have to leave home. But I mean, it's just it's the climate we live in. You, it's survival now. It's scary. But um, but while we're talking about the good things that's coming, the recovery rebate credit. Yeah. So if you didn't get your check. The first $10,200 would not be taxable. Now, the key is if you already filed your taxes, you need to go amend your return. Yes, you have to pay something to have your tax professional do that, but yeah. you will get some money. Definitely something that I think the what the cost to get it redone is going to be a lot less than the money you will receive on the back end. So, oh, of course. And then we finished finish the night with Coach Tony um who, who spent 22 years coaching. He's been a head coach uh, at the University of Houston. He's been at Western, West Kentucky, Purdue. Uh, he was the assistant coach at Carolina Panthers, so he's been around the block. And uh, he sort of sort of said that he is still coaching um, because his team, which is 120, which you know that's that's a funny number because most football teams have about 120 players. Uh, he still have 120 team members, and they still need to be trained. They still need to be coached. They still need motivation. They still need some type of competition. So uh, he parallels owning his own business. Uh, to being a head coach, and the and, and the thing that he talked about, which which we we definitely talk we we spent some time on, especially when we start talking about mental wellness, is he said you should purposely and intentionally not get your identity wrapped around a sport. And for a lot of people, they found themselves in as he was talking about. Um, being a football player or a baseball player or a basketball player instead of I'm ever saying that plays football. Honestly, and when I, I, and honestly, like that's the biggest problem I've seen in college sports and even high school is the fact that you know a lot of people you know they preach concussion, concussion, concussion. Like I'm telling you. Sports depression has hurt more more athletes that I know of because, right. you know, you go every day, you know, 
in sports. That's your identity. That's every, what everybody knows you as. That's what, you know, you go home and the people shake your hand. And then one day, you know, you, you, they, you, know, you play a sport, they tell you when to wake up. They tell you when to eat. They tell you when to study. And then one day it's over. And then a lot of people don't know how to cope with it. It took me, and like I say, I wasn't the star player by any means, college, what, but it took me about two years to get over not playing a sport because that's who I forced my identity to be. And it like, right. like I, I would like I went into a depression. You know, I'll talk to you know a lot of players that you had OU. I still talk to, and we all mm-hmm. all went through this. And I'm sure right. when you you know when when you was done playing, like there was a year. I'd say probably a year. It takes maybe two years. I that it takes to get out of it, and you know to make it at that level in college, you kind of do have to make it somewhat of your identity because that is your life. But there's a lot of people that need help out there because, like me, they made, you know, they've been a football player who they were. And now more people care about, you know, Dave Tennis, the, you know, the teacher and Dave Tennis, the coach, than the football player. I mean, I made a whole lot more impact as a teacher and coach than I ever did as a football player. And, you know? Yeah. There's a big world out there. It just takes a couple of years for it to get out of your system. Mm-hmm. Very true. It's very true. And the, another good thing that he said, and, and again, I never really thought of it this way, but it is, a, it is definitely a great word. The colleges don't ask for your transcripts. And really, I, one of the things I did, I have said in the past, is that your GPA is good for your first job. After that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, but I think the way that they want to see your resume and your work experience, um, because even now, if you have internships coming out of coming out of college, and you have that on your resume, you got a better chance of getting a job than if you don't. So, yeah. so that is definitely something. <laughs>
And then you got the Texans signed Tyrod Taylor to a $12.5 million deal for one year. Wow. Do you think they're worried um, about Washington? Yeah. They, they, you got you to say. They signed him to a $12.5 million deal, and he's not even a projected starter. Um, or, or do they know that Watson's going to truly try to get out of there and, and not be around? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Bears signed Andy Dalton to a one-year, $10 million deal. Um, and, and here's, here's a, you know, I see this name, and I'm like, you know what? I recruited this guy. The Giants signed Leonard Williams to a three-year, $63 million deal. Leonard Williams is from, from uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. I remember recruiting him. He went in. I'm going to the University of Southern California. Um, and obviously he was a great player. Uh, obviously he is a great player, you know, signing a three-year, $63 million deal, which I think makes him either the first or the second highest paid defense lineman in the league. Wow. There's, uh, there's definitely some money getting thrown around right now in the NFL. So, hey, not saying – if, if you got that opportunity, chase your dream. By all means, chase your dream. Um, but, again, one day that thing's going to end. And make sure that your identity is not wrapped up in it. And then also make sure that you have some things that, that in place to help you be successful once that's fortunate. So, hey, man, it was a great night. I definitely appreciate you joining me. And uh, we would definitely look forward to uh, having you and the family down in June for the uh, football and children camp this summer. Again, that's going to be June 26th. So make sure you get your calendars marked and make sure you're ready to go. All right? There's no better way to celebrate my birthday. We'll see you there. Good. Well, hey, man, tell the family we said hello. Everybody, we'll see you next week. Thanks again. And uh, this is going to be recorded, so you can use that same link and go on and share it. So if you have somebody that's on their way to college, or excuse me, in high school, on their way to college or in college, it will be great for them to hear this today. Um, but everybody have a great night and look forward to seeing you all next week. Take care. You're listening to the sounds of DJ Turk Nice. Do it, baby. Five
Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? And it's gone. All right. Well, it's gone. Can't hear anything. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.